Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of his age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blinding passion, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father God. We thank you. We thank you for the days that we are in. We do not understand why you would have chosen any one of us to live in the days that we live in right now. We do not understand why we go through the trials and the tribulations and the different things that seem to be almost in some cases catered to our personalities and our life circumstances. We don't understand why um, you would choose us to understand the things or to know or to have the wisdom or whatever you want to call it, to know, to be aware, awake and aware of the things that are happening around us, to know about the shape-shifting reptilians, to understand that they, they are fallen seraphim, uh, that they are, uh, you know, and they're only one of many species of, of darkness and evil and fallen angelic beings that are that we are utterly surrounded about, surround, surrounded by. And, and Father, it, it's just, it's a, it, why did you cho- choose us? You know, we don't understand the why. We just have to kind of go with it. We don't understand, you know, how it is that we can pray sometimes in some cases for years uh, consistently, almost daily in some cases, and we don't get answers. Man, we just don't, we, because we can't see the why. We don't see the beginning from the end, and we have to come to that place. I believe with all of my heart we have to come to that place where we utterly and absolutely, truly trust you. You know, not just lip service trust, but true true, real, total trust. And when we have true, true, real, total trust in you, then guess what? All of our problems go away. If we just look at all of the things that we have in our lives that we cannot tolerate, the things that frustrate us, the things that are are overwhelming us, the things that make us feel sorry for ourselves, crying in the corner kind of stuff, you know, frustrated and angry sort of stuff, if we just took all of that and just let it go, just made it go away, just made a choice in our hearts that we are just not going to entertain it. We're not going to think about it, not even for a second. We give it to you. 
We lay it at the foot of the cross. If we would just let it truly let it go, not lip service, let it go. Oh, yeah, I let it go. No, really let it go. Father, teach us, we pray in Jesus' name as the days grow darker, and they will, maybe very slow and maybe a lot slower than we would like. But, Father, we just pray that you will teach us supernaturally through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our walk, somehow through our prayer lives, through the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Godhead that we all have a part of inside of us as part of the body of Christ in the spirit of God, the living God being in us. Oh, Lord, our Father, we pray that you will teach us to let things go, to truly let things go to where we, we're not troubled anymore. Things that we should be downright furious about, angry about, fist punching through the wall angry about, that we just – it doesn't bother us anymore. We literally, utterly, and totally 100% let it go, and it doesn't bother us. We're okay. Things you know that just – blow our minds in frustration and worry and concern and anxiety and all kinds of negative emotions. We just let it go. We give it to you because, Father, we want to. We desire more than anything to totally trust you. We want to become Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the words of Isaiah 26.3 become embedded in our spirit, merge with our spirit, and become who we are. That we no longer look at these things as trials and tribulations and struggles in our lives, allowing them to affect us emotionally, but instead we just deflect them because they're yours. We don't have... It's all yours, Lord, and we just walk in it. We just walk in it. We trust you, and we know that all the things that we're going through, all the things that we are to go through, the very, very hard things sometimes, Father, we just lay them at the foot of the cross, and we refuse. We refuse to let them bother us. It's not our problem. We just show up. We got to fly to this place or that place, and we don't have anybody to watch our house. It's okay because you're going to find somebody for us. If we have, you know, things coming down negatively, very negatively uh, at our workplaces, people are saying horrible things. We're afraid for our jobs. We let it go because it is an opportunity we know, even if we lose our jobs, what freedom we have been given at that moment in time to be able to look for something new, something different, something that you might be able to make us so much happier doing, maybe for a little less money, but so much happier. And that happiness is worth every penny. Father, we just thank you for taking care of us. We praise you for bringing us to the new places in our walk. And we pray, Father, that you will amplify it, that you will ever increase it. Increase our understanding of how to lay all of these things at the foot of the cross and to really, really, really mean it, not just lip service, but to really mean it and to be able to experience the freedom of truly trusting you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
come to see, watch and pray. For I would come for you one day. I gave you my word so you would know. Time I'd come and take you home. It's time for you to look around. The signs I gave for coming down. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I'm going through another one of those CBT things, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, where where you kind of like work on uh, the renewing of your mind. Um, Because, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, if you don't practice playing guitar, you know, let's say you got pretty good at one time, you know, we'll just say mediocrely good uh, at, uh, you know, playing acoustic guitar like I had, you know, when I was in the Navy. I actually got pretty darn good at, at it uh, there for a while. And, um, uh, you know, but then after I got out, life took over, dud a little, you know, duddly duh, that kind of stuff. And then I, I you know, I, I don't even remember what happened with the guitar I had. Uh, and, but anyway, long story short, uh, I kind of lost it. So, you know, I can kind of strum a few ba- basic chords now, but, you know, I'm not going to play like over the hill and far away <laughs> or anything like that. Um, and, uh, you know, so you got to kind of relearn it. Well, you know, um, you know, renewing of your mind um, and, um, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. See, one of the things that I love to do, because ever since I, uh, the Lord awakened me to the fact that science is his. OK, so, you know, when you look at all the things that we perceive in our hologram existence here in this containment zone that we're trapped in and you see the sciences that are involved in it, you know, particle physics, quantum you know, mechanics, all of that kind of stuff. And you map it back to the Bible and you map it back to the things that are, you know, awesome, which is our father and all of his creation and everything. You realize that really it was him that created it. You know, I've, I've always been very troubled in my heart and never, never cared much for people who, you know, shun science and they look at the Bible and just because they're not able to connect the science that 
is reality to the Bible, they, you know, for whatever reason, they just have a trouble doing it. So what they do is they poo-poo it. They, you know, they're like, ah, you know, I don't believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old because my Bible says it and I believe it and that's the way it is. See, I've always been very troubled with people like that because I think that they make a lousy testimony to the, to Jesus, you know, um, because they can't sit at a table full of people that are scientifically minded and save a single one of their souls because they're just sitting there going, well, my Bible says it and I believe it and that's the way it is. Well, you know, you're not going to save anybody's soul that way. I, you know, um, but anyway, that's fine. You know, people do what they want to do, but I think it's very exciting. I love to take witticisms, you know, things that I learn in books, whether they're, you know, there's tons and tons of very, very godly things in books that you can read that will help you to feel better. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, hey, I ran, you know, I ran three miles this morning. You know, I'm not talking about that kind of feel better, but dealing with life and dealing with, you know, uh, the things that would normally frustrate you, make you very, do you want to live unhappy all the time? I mean, really, do you? You know, and it's hard, you know, as things are getting harder and harder and darker and darker across the world and we're being lied to more by virtually every, I mean, you could, there's like no direction you can turn your head to not, you know, it's just dribbling lies coming out of everybody's mouth for the most part. And, um, and then, you know, anyway, so I, to, to get past that, uh, you know, there comes a, for me, I playing that guitar thing, you know. I, you can say, hey, I'm going to be doing CBTs. I'm going to, you know, help, you know, because it, it's never by ourselves. It's never, you know, I, a lot of people like to just defer everything over to Jesus, but it's it, it's more than that. Okay, I mean, I know that sounds, but let me make my point. You know, we've got our flesh, we've got ourselves, we've got our humanness, we've got, all, you know, everything, you know, and Paul talked about battling the flesh, and he's, oh my gosh, there's so many scriptures about that. You, you could just literally write a whole book on that subject. But anyway, the point is, so, you know, we've got uh, to contend with the darkness. Hopefully we have a really great, you know, spiritual warfare prayer life, and we're able to fend off the darkness proactively so that it isn't able to, come, you know, pummel us constantly. That's a good place to be when you have a divine holy fire, authority, hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit's encircling you and warrior angels protecting you proactively. That's a very good place to be because you really want to kind of get the, that off your back because we got enough to deal with when we're dealing with our own humanness. Okay, our own humanness. You can call it, oh, well, you're dealing with the flesh, whatever. And you're not supposed to do that. Well, you know what? A lot of, a lot of the people that think they're not fleshy are actually exceedingly fleshy. Uh, if you want to meet fleshy people, just go to church. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, but but yes, you know, I, I, I think it's a wonderful blessing to be able to look at, to read books, to look at science, to and then to be able to map it all back to the Bible. Witticisms, you know, I can read like, um, like I have uh, little applications on my phone that have wonderful witticisms and statements, you know, little uh, positive little statements and things that, that I read every morning. And a lot of them, they'll have like a little picture of Buddha or something on it. Now, a lot of people would be like, oh, that's of the devil. I'm like, whatever. I don't care what you put, what, who, whatever you want to, be, to think or believe, whoever puts that little message out, it's irrelevant to me because God owns everything. 
Everything is his. To the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1, verse 15, right? Amen. So I don't care that somebody put that up there because they maybe believe in Buddhism or whatever the case is. I'm just looking at the words, and then I say to myself, where is that in the Bible? And then I'll have a spiritual confirmation, and, and I'll be able to – it's just I can't explain it. it. Maybe it's a gift from Jesus. I don't know. But I read things from books that are secular, and I see Jesus everywhere. I see the Bible everywhere. The, the scriptures just start to echo in my heart. And I it and so to me it's a blessing because I can take these practices that are practices that have been refined by various doctors or specialties with people that have trouble in their lives or difficulties coping, whatever the case may be, and then I just map it over to the Holy Bible. You know, the concept of the renewing of your mind, you know, what is that? You know, a lot of people will never ask that question. What is, you know, renewing of your mind? You know, we'll just deflect it. We'll just go like, oh, well, that's obviously the works of the Holy Spirit in me. So the renewing of my mind will just happen automatically. I will have absolutely nothing to do with it, and I'll just sit around being miserable and complain like the Israelites and whatever the case is, and then you're going to limit God in your life. You don't want to limit God, and I'm working on not limiting God. I don't want to limit God. I mean, I don't want to be just getting by anymore. I'm too sick and tired of being sick and tired. You ever hear that one? Your mom ever come up to you? Hey, kids, did your mom ever come up to you and go, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so um, so I got this new term that I made up. I call it bingo. Bingo it. <laughs> you can substitute it forever, whatever word you want to substitute. You can call it whatever. You can call it Donald Duckett if you want to. But I just, you know, I'm bingoing everything. I, it's like, oh, I got to travel to Vegas. No problem. Bingo it. Uh, I got to travel Atlanta for a whole week. I, I don't have, you know, and I don't even know if my dress, I got to buy a new dress, blah, 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 and this all, and I got to find somebody to watch the house. Bingo it. I don't care. I just don't care about any of it. I have decided, I've made up my mind. Now, I, I, you have to experiment. You know, not everybody strums a guitar the same way. And you got to practice a guitar to get good at practicing the guitar. You can't just say, I'm going to, you know, hey, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to renew my mind and then do nothing about it on your own. You have to, you know, as a matter of fact, I, I love this. I'm on my second read of this book. It's called Choosing Happier. Choosing happier. And it's a yellow book. And, um, you know, it's got stuff in there about meditation and that kind of, but it's got a ton of other really brilliant, absolutely brilliant chapters about um, choo choosing being happy, you know. And um, I, look, I'm not going to sit here and read the book to you, but I, I will tell you this. If you get it, you'll be, you will like the book. And um, my recommendation to anybody who ever does buy it, um, and, I'm, and Sister Nancy's just got it, and uh, she's getting another one too that I got. Um, but, um, you know, you know, I just told her, I said, when you get to the part about meditation and this, that, and the other thing, just what you do is all you do is you just say meditate on Jesus. You know, that, 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 you know, we should have no problem whatsoever taking virtually anything. Look, the devil has no original ideas. He's stolen everything from our father, and then he twists it and makes it into his own evilness. Okay, well, guess what? Take it back. Smack him a couple of times across the face and say, give it back to me, Lucifer, you dumb piece of bingo, you know, or whatever the case is. And just don't deal with it. He's, he's t you know, t look, Smith Wigglesworth, I read, you know, um, I'm not going to get into, but, but in his biography, there's, he's in a hotel room in some country or whatever where he's doing a you know revival or whatnot and he, he literally wakes up in the middle of the night because some someone is standing at the foot of his bed it woke him up 
And, um, you know, he traveled by himself all the time, you know, and he's like, he's, it's like in the middle of the night, it's dark in his room. And he, he wakes up and he's kind of like sits up in bed and right there is Satan standing in all of his disgusting stench uh, at the end of the bed of Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> you know what he did? He looked at Satan in the eyes and he said, oh, it's you. And he goes back, he lays back down in bed, pulls the blankets over his head and goes right to sleep. That's how we all got to be. But that is not something that is natural. That is not something that that is, you know, we deal with the flesh, whether we like it or not. And either we whoop our flesh into to behaving itself or we suffer from the flesh. We, and the flesh is all the things that Jesus told us not to do. Don't worry. Don't have anxiety. Don't do this. Don't do that. Trust God. You know, blah, blah, blah. All that. You know, when we struggle with those things, that is the flesh winning the battle. Um, Andrew Womack has a really great teaching. I, I don't remember what he calls it anymore, but he uses this term, stinking thinking. That's because you got stinking thinking. The battle's all in your mind. And, you know, he's, he's absolutely right about that because it's about renewing of your mind. And so um, and, and how do we get to that place as the days grow darker? How do we get to the place where we are no longer in that zone, you know, where we can overcome, okay, um, all the things that upset us, all the things that make us say, I can't take it anymore, you know, all the things that make us go into the corner and cry, all the things that make us say, Lord, you know, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, why, you know, do we really, really want to live our lives that way? I mean, I mean, even if we only got three more years that we got to spend on the earth, do you really, really want to be that way? I don't. I don't. And so I read a lot of songs. Self-help books, but I Jesusize them. Okay, I Jesusize them. I turned them into Jesus books. You know, praise God, I spent a lot of time in the Bible, or at least I, you know, it, you know, varies. But whatever. The point is, I have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of verses that kind of float around in my spirit. And so when I'm reading these various books or whatever the case is, it depends on you know. It's, I don't read just self self-help books, but I'm just saying, uh, that, you know, that's one of my favorite topics to work on because I know I need. Work. I think I think that the, the better Christians out there, and I, I'm not saying that I'm better. I'm not, but I'm saying that if we do want to be better, then we do want to do what the Bible says, which is to examine ourselves, to look at ourselves, to read the Bible, to to try to become the positive things, the Jesus ness that we are supposed to be here on the earth. And Jesus, you know, I just somehow I just can't see Jesus. Sitting in the corner of, you know, like, uh, I don't know, a, a, a restaurant or something, you know, being like all angry and bent out of shape and like, I can't take it anymore. I just can't picture Jesus doing that. And so then I say, you know, uh, then I've obviously got a fleshy problem, and I think a lot of us do, and you know, and so did the Israelites, and then they ended up limiting God again and again. They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel, Psalm seventy-eight forty-one. Praise God. We don't want to limit God. And then you equate it, you align it up with Isaiah twenty-six three, and oh my 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 oh my. You know, I talk about all this that our heavenly Father is a quid pro quo God, and like you know, it, 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 you know, when you read the promises, you know, and 
Psalm 91. When you read any of the promises in the Bible, there's always a quid pro quo. You know, uh, if you fear God, this and that and this and that and this and that will happen for you. You will be promised certain things if you fear God. You will be promised certain things if you trust God. You will pr- be promised certain things if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and soul. You know, so there's always like a quid pro quo, and um, and that helps us learn to be better in our walk and to accelerate to some degree our sanctification, but we need to put an effort forth. It's none of this stuff's on autopilot like churchianity thinks it is. And they're in for some real big surprises when they finally wake awake up to what's going on in the world and how it maps. It makes the Bible end times Bible read like a newspaper. Praise Jesus. But consider all of this against the backdrop of Isaiah 26 verse three. It's simply, if you just read the, the text out of the new King James, it's says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts you. But if you really dig deeper into that text, it's really an amazing promise. You is our Heavenly Father. So you have right here a promise where God will keep you in perfect peace because you trust him. All right. Now, of course, it has the little part in there where it says whose mind is stayed upon you. But our hearts and minds should always, to some degree or another, be state, you know, stayed on on our Father. I even got myself one of these little gratitude things. It's a little, it's just a little rock with the word gratitude on it. But I keep it by my laptop, uh, you know, all day long because you know, as I get thrown things that are frustrating and I just want to, you know, freak out, um, I'll reach up and grab my little you know, gratitude stone, and I'll just bow my head, and I'll just say, Father, thank you. I thank you. I praise you. I thank you. I just know that this trip that I don't want to go on is going to be fine, and everything's going to go, and I'm going to have a good time, uh, that you're going to provide for me somebody to watch the house and the doggies, and everything's just going to snap into place like it always does, and I praise you for that, Father. I thank you for that. Uh, So what I am doing is I am working on, you know, I'm going through another phase, another round, if you will, of working on on myself, because I recognize that the the things of darkness that are happening across the world right now are going to get worse, and they may become more frequent. So again, if you go back to Isaiah 26.3, our Father promises to keep us in perfect peace when we trust Him. Okay, I'm just helping you to get the gist of that verse because the gist, the actual root meaning of that verse is simply put, that God promises to keep you in perfect peace when you trust him. But you're not trusting God when you're walking around unhappy, when you're looking at, oh, I can't deal with this, and my, my relative this, that, and they said this about me, and I'm just so miserable, and my husband's doing this, and my wife is doing that, and my kids are treating me like it, and I can't take it anymore, and my job, and they're making me travel, and I can't stand it, and I'm tired, and I don't want to do it anymore. See, when you're going through all that stuff, you're not trusting God. He knows the beginning from the end. Now, I'm not saying that you don't pray. Absolutely, you pray continuously all the time. Fervently, I'm a humongous prayer freak. Okay, so yes, that goes with it. And yes, you do lay your petitions before the Lord. Yes, you do pray. If you could speak in tongues, pray. By all means, speak in tongues, because that bypasses the devil's attempt to try to hinder your prayer. Praise God. And we need as much of that as we can get nowadays. But the point is so cool. It's so cool to get to a place. Hopefully, we should all struggle to get to this place where we um, 
are are unaffected by it. In other words, when something happens that triggers us and makes us feel like you know we're we're getting you know the short end of the stick, if you want to put it that way, or whatever the case is, you know, and, and we got to arrest those thoughts. We got to place them under arrest, hold every thought in the captivity of G, for, in, in, for Jesus, you know, Second uh, Corinthians 10, verse 5, I believe it is. And you just, you just got to, um, you got to arrest the thoughts. You got to get rid of the stinking thinking. You got to um, choose to be happy. You've got to make a choice. And when you are able to get to that place, however you achieve it, I don't care how you achieve it. If you've got to stain on your head and drink water through your nostrils in order to accomplish it, good luck. Do it all you need to do it. But we all need to find a place where we can reside. Look, when we get to that place where we are able, and it's a combination of your own personal Mind, renewing your mind, making an effort, holding every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You have got to make that effort. You have got to monitor yourself. You have got to recognize that the moment that you are getting triggered, even if you have every right in the world to be mad, you got to let it go. And and that is applicable to the stuff that's going on in the Ukraine, the next calamity that's going to happen. What you know? What if what if Klaus Schwab gets his way and you know the power grid goes down in the United States for like three weeks or so, and there's total pandemonium, and oh my gosh, you don't have enough food, and blah 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 blah. You know, we got to get ourselves to a point where none of this bothers us, where we're Smith Wigglesworth and we sit up in our bed and we go, oh, it's you. And we just go back to sleep like a baby. Uh, you know, that is where we need to be. And when we are in that place, when we can deflect our problems, when we make a conscious decision to not allow it to bother us, I don't care. Bingo it. That's my new thing. I'm go- I, I just say to myself, bingo it. You know, I don't care. And, and, I'm, and I choose to be, you know, and, and I recommend that book, by the way. It's called Choosing Happier. It's got a yellow cover on it. And um, I'm going through the book this a second time. Um, and I also got another book uh, called Overcome. It's by a Navy SEAL named Jason Redman. Now, I admit I'm only on about my 10th page of the book, but I, I dig it. All right. I really dig where he's coming from. He had his face shot off over in Afghanistan or something like that, Iraq or whatever. Literally. I mean, uh, spend an entire year plus in Bethesda Hospital getting reconstructive surgery because his face got shut off. I mean, literally. And he, even when he was sitting, you know, there he is with his, you know, his whole head is, you know, and, and he wrote, he had his son hand him, I think I, think I got this right. He, he said, give me that paper, and, and he could write. You know, he was pointing to the paper. Couldn't talk, but he could write. And he took um, and wrote on the paper, you know, if you are walking by my room and you have, are coming into my room, if you are a doctor, a, a relative, a friend, whoever you are, whatever you are, if you are coming into this room and you are bringing any form of pity with you, get out. I don't want any of your pity. I have nothing to do with it. I will overcome this situation. I'm going to overcome it. And I don't want to see a bunch of sad faces come in the room. And the way that he wrote it was so eloquent. And he, and he had them stick it with tape up on the door of his actual uh, hotel, uh, I'm sorry, hospital, 
Well, it got it made its way to social media. It went um, viral, and then he ended up getting taken on all kinds of like you know Good Morning America and TV shows and things like that to be able to tell everybody. And it's really a fascinating thing because he uses. Um, you could use the word cataclysm, calamity, whatever you want to use. He even says, like, if you lose your job, if you get through it, you know, you go through a divorce. You know, I, I'm not, you know, recommending any of this stuff to anybody. I don't. I know none of us want to go through these things, but sometimes stuff happens we can't control it. And, um, uh, you know, and he, his premise, okay. So this, you know, here's the moral of the story. But I have barely begun to read the book, and I already like it. His premise is this. Hey, I got my whole face shot off. I, you know, you need, he calls it the X. Okay, he says, this is your X. He says, some people will stay on the X. They got their face shot off, their life is over, and they feel sorry for themselves, and then they kill themselves. They're stuck on the X. He says, then there's another type of person that will carry the X with them wherever they go, and it will always hinder their walk in life. So if they had a bad thing, they lost their job or whatever, they'll have, that will follow them around in their brain. It will constantly echo, echo, you, you are inadequate. You lost your job because you're just rotten, crummy at what you do, and it will follow them around, and they will carry that X with them wherever they go. They will never progress past it. But the way he puts it is you've got to let that X go, and you have got to look at this as an opportunity for a major change of positivity in your life. And I was like, wow, what a great attitude. Um, you know, so not only do am I trying to you know, weave together this tapestry of behaviors, uh, you know, again, we're all human, and if you can control your humanness, Wow, you're, half the battle's won there because Jesus is standing right there to help you. Okay, but a lot of times what we do is we sit there and we pray, 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 and then by virtue of us praying and praying and praying and praying, and then we don't see the results that we want to see, that adds on to the X. The X becomes a bigger X and a bigger X and a bigger X, and we get more in the dumps and more in the dumps and sadder and sadder and more frustrated, and it just, ah, I can't take it anymore. We got to get past that. We have to get to a place where we just bingo it. It's 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 not a big deal. Look forward to it. Tw turn it around. Poke the devil right in the eyes and say, you know what? It doesn't bother me. It's cool. Totally cool. I'm fine. The Lord's fine. We got it together. I trust God. I've laid everything at the foot of the Lord. I don't care how many airports I got to run through. I don't care how many times I have nobody to watch the house. I am not going to worry about it because I know the Lord is going to take care of it. Period. End of story. Not worrying about it. Bingo it. All right. And you know what? And I and it's it. Guess what you get? You get the benefit of Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect. You, Father, our Father God promises us that he will keep us in perfect peace, providing that we trust him. So when you're bummed out and mad and frustrated and can't take it anymore, you're ready to pull your hair out and you're dreading going to work and all this kind of stuff. Are you trusting God? No, you're not trusting God. You're frustrated. You're letting every little thing in life get to you. Guess what? Who's the king of that? I'm the king of the mountain. You guys can't push me off the mountain, can you, kids? I'm on the top. Yeah, they know. 
those kids know. They know. I, I, I've, they, kids, how about it? You know, if there's a big uh, hill of, uh, uh, you know, snow, it's like, you know, 8, 10, 12 feet tall. I'm going to climb to the top of that. None of you guys are going to be able to kick me off the mountain, right? <laughs> so when it comes to being the king of the mountain, as far as, you know, thinking like a thousand reasons to be negative when I should just bingo it. Heck with it. I'm not worried about it. I don't care. God's got this. The Lord has got this. And when you get to that place where you're able to let go of that X and look at the opportunities that God will lay before you, because he certainly will. Another thing about Smith Wigglesworth, um, that was this was just one of many, 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 many stories that I've read about him and um, and many, many other generals and lieutenants of our Heavenly Father and stuff. I love to read books about him because you learn so many godly things. But anyway, he was trapped. I mentioned this before, but it merits repeating. He, he was trapped on, uh, you know, because back in those days, you didn't fly. You rode ocean liners from one country to another. Well, he was in Australia. And, uh, oh, I don't remember exactly the circumstances that led to this, but he basically found himself at the, at the terminal, uh, uh, all aboard, and he didn't have his ticket. Now he's trapped in Australia. See, you got to remember, this guy is going totally on faith from, you know, love offerings that he may or may not have gotten or whatever the case is from whatever, wherever he preached at. And he was like, uh, oh boy, I don't have any, I don't, I'm stuck. I don't have any way to buy food. I don't have any place to stay. Uh, I got no hotel, got no money. I don't have my ticket for the, you know, he went to the will call for some reason. His ticket wasn't there. He couldn't get on the ship. So there he is standing there. Now, what would you do? I know what I would do because I'm the king of the mountain, right, kids? I would be angry. I would be like, I can't believe this happened to me. And I'd just be, you know, beside myself. You know what what Smith did? Smith turned around and bowed his head and he said to the father, he said, Father, I know that this means you've got something in store for me. I know it does because there's no other reason why this would have happened. So you must have something awesome in store for me, and I praise you for it, and I thank you for it, and I'm just going to wait because I know you're going to send me the answer. And he basically sat down in that shipping terminal with nothing, and some guy comes walking up to him that he didn't even know, and the guys go, are are you a brother Wigglesworth? And he's like, uh, yes, I am. And he goes, well, I'm so glad I caught you before you got on the boat because we have another revival we need you to come to and this, that, and the other thing and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, bam, instant miracle. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed upon you because he trusts you. We have got to get to that place where we truly trust God and we're not getting a bee in our bonnet over all the stuff that normally gets us a bee in a bonnet. Okay, you got to deflect it. You got to let that X go. You got to look for the opportunity. The opportunity is that Jesus is going to send you an alternative, something new. And we got to embrace that something new. We got to know that that something new is coming. We got to know that it's going to be better than the, than, than the last thing. And we got to embrace his name and thank him in advance for it and trust him. If we are not trusting God, if we are not praising Jesus when we are going through difficult times, it's because we we don't trust 
God. Amen. And I am working very, very hard. I'm just letting you know, because uh, I always like to refer to the show as applied Christianity, because, you know, heaven forbid, I mean, you know, uh, the Lord God knows that if anybody's the king of the hill of dorking things up, it's me. Right, kids? All right. So uh, anyway, I thought I would share that with you because I think uh, we are coming to a time or definitely have, a, I believe, we've arrived uh, more so than ever before at a time in the end times journey that is going to require us to adopt that mindset. Let's just leave it at that, to adopt that mindset. Okay, and uh, one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people make is like, hey, I've given it all to God, but you still feel if you're still feeling the frustration, if you're still getting upset, if you're still, oh, no, I can't believe it. You know, if that even if it's just a feeling and you're not vocalizing it, then you're not there yet. You're not there yet. We've got to get to that place where it doesn't bother us anymore and we're at peace because otherwise guess what? God is not keeping you in perfect peace. Well, why would God not keep you in perfect peace as he promised he would in Isaiah 26.3? Why wouldn't he? Because you don't trust him. It's as simple as that. Maybe the Lord wants me to do, you know, this gig where I got to I got to travel to Vegas. I don't even know. I'll find out tomorrow, I guess. I'm not happy about it, but that's all right. You know, know, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sure something interesting will happen. Um, I don't know, you know, but it's fine. I've decided it's fine. I've made a choice. I have I am choosing happier. I'm choosing that it's going to be fine. I'm choosing that I'm going to have a good time at the manager's meeting up in Atlanta, even though I don't want anything to do with it. It's, it's perfectly fine. I am choosing to be happy. I am going to be happy. I am letting the ex- I am looking for that next opportunity, that wonderful blessing that our Father is going to give me, and I hope give you as well as we all choose to be happy, as we all leave the ex behind, as we trust God and we just do like Smith did and said, oh, It's only you. And go right back to sleep and be in perfect peace because we truly do trust God. It doesn't happen automatically. I don't care who you are or who you think you are in Christ. If you're out there telling me that you're just as happy-go-lucky as every little thing, you're either faking it or perhaps, praise God, you've been through so much refinement that you actually are okay with taking the continuous, you know, metaphorical frying pan. Oh, ow, ow, over the head. Oh, I got to go to Atlanta for t- five days. Uh, ow. Oh, I got to buy new clothes because I fatted my way out of them over the pandemic. Oh, ow. Uh, and I got to go to Vegas, which is a five-hour flight wearing a mask, and it's going to hurt, and I'm not going to be able to breathe. And, ow. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and all this, you know. No. <laughs> no, it's all good. You know, it's all good. You know, maybe, you know, we just got to let it go. I know it, and it ain't hard. It takes practice. It really does. It takes practice. That's why I like to read these books, because they they jack me up. They get me pumped up. I'm like, okay, I've got to let my ex behind. Praise God. And we, and, you know, we want to become like Smith. We want to be sitting there on that, on that uh, park bench nearby the shipping terminal saying, 
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I know something amazing and wonderful and miraculous is going to happen. Otherwise, this wouldn't have happened to me. Praise God. Uh, and we got to understand to the pure, all things are pure. For uh, Titus 1.15, we got to be able to embrace that verse and understand that God, if we let God be God and we accept what we are admonished to accept, which really requires us to commandeer our brain, stinking thinking, renewing of your mind, okay? If we take charge of that and make it a proactive effort on our part, and we learn to bingo it and deflect it off and choose to be happy with it, be happy about that. Choose to be happy. Think of happy reasons. You know, do you have a roof over your head? Are you eating? Are you, are you, uh, you know, starving to death in uh, Yemen or something like that? I mean, you know, if that's what you got to do, if you got to compare it to other things that are going on in the world to pull yourself out of the funk, fine. But we the ideal place to be is to really truly be okay praise god thank you jesus hallelujah and i'm very excited about having darren and jen join us tonight this is going to be a powerful testimony praise god that i'm excited i haven't heard the whole thing but i heard just enough to be like okay this is going to be awesome praise jesus but anyway on that note let's go ahead and go right into the news here we go ladies and gentlemen may i have your attention please it's not normal. It's just wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. All right, kids. If four out of five people suffer from diarrhea... Does that mean that one of them enjoys it? <laughs> Kids, does it? <laughs> I know, right? I know. That's kind of some weird twisted logic, but hey, you know, makes the world go round. Got to smile sometimes. Hallelujah. All right, kids. Why was the pig covered in ink? Why was the pig covered in ink? Because it had been in a pen. You know, a pen. You know, like a, you know, yeah, I know. Oh, well, that's all right. Can't hit them. Can't, 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 can't always hit a home run. Okay, well, let's try one more here. Kids, if you have 15 cows and five goats, what do you have? Plenty of milk. <laughs> right, kids? Goats, milk, cows, milk, 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 milk. I know. I'm kind of milking these jokes a little bit. But anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up, let's head into the news. It's not normal. All right. Now, um, real quick. Um, and, and hopefully if, uh, Darren and Jen are listening and whatever, sometimes we do run a little teeny weeny bit past the eight o'clock, uh, Eastern East coast time hour, uh, with the news bleeding over eh, five minutes, 10 minutes sometimes. So please do hang in there for us. I will uh, say this to you again, uh, when we get a little bit closer to the eight o'clock hour, praise God. Now I wanted to share this with you because as I have mentioned, I have, um, you know, many times I've mentioned over and over again that I, I've been very blessed with people and contacts over in Ukraine, and I get to hear 
Thank you, Jesus, something other than this awful dribble of lies and manipulation that, we're, that is being force-fed down our throat by the satanic global crime syndicate of Gates, Fauci, uh, Soros, Klaus, uh, Biden, Obama, and all the other sick, twisted entities that are running this country. But anyway, I'm not going to, you know, but I want to share this with you because it's going to add a little taste of realism to my world and maybe give you a taste of it in your world as well. So anyway, I was uh, paying attention to this one uh, telegram channel because I like to stay in tune with, you know, what's going on over there, but I don't want to hear it from the dribbling, lying, mind manipulation, mainstream media. I want to see it and hear it from the horse's mouth. So anyway, um, uh, I, I found this interesting snippet video on Intel Slava Z, a channel that, you know, follows them around and stuff, you know, the, the Russian forces and such. And, uh, and you, get, you get right from the horse's mouth. So anyway, um, this, so this one is entitled, it's actually a little mini video, and it's entitled, The Nazis of Ukraine Throw Off Their Military Uniforms, Change into Civilian Clothes, and Sparkle with Their Heels. In other words, they make a run for it. Now, and and then, it, of course, it has a handful of uh, Russian soldiers uh, that are picking up the clothing, the military clothing of the Ukrainian soldiers as they're running for it. And they're kind of, you know, going like, ha ha, see, see what we're dealing with here, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I thought that was interesting. So I, I, I forwarded it over to Tatiana, who's my friend from the Ukraine, from Odessa. Uh, and they, the villagers, they all talk amongst each other. So if you know one person in Ukraine, you know probably 50, right? Because they're all talking amongst one another, this, that, and the other thing. And you get a, a whole lot, a fantastic amount of intel. Uh, I'm not even going to go into how many different vectors of intel that you can get that way because they also listen to local blogs. They, they, there's a there's a, a flow of information that goes across the countryside amongst the people that live there, and you're not getting any of that. You're not getting any of that. Um, but anyway, so I sent this video over because I thought it was interesting with them picking up the uh, uniforms, the discarded uniforms of the Ukraine soldiers running for it, uh, and um, she sent me back a audio message about what I was seeing in the video because I don't, of course, I don't understand these things and you know, she's from there and she gets it. So I'm going to go ahead and play this for you. It's very interesting and she ties it to the Bible. Here we go. Hello. I would like to explain uh, this video. These uh, guys that picked up their uniform, they're Chechen. They're from Chechnya. Basically, it's a Caucasus region, though those that joined the fight, they are Muslims. And the thing is that basically God is, uh, how to say it, basically Ukrainian Nazis, supposedly they are from Christian uh, nation, but since they are other worshippers, <laughs> I don't know, them or their ancestors, um, idol worshippers, God is punishing punishing them with the uh, uh, hands of Muslims because these uh, guys in this video they're Muslims. They're talking, uh, they're talking in uh, their language and they say Inshallah, which which means uh, praise Allah. And it reminds me of the story from Old Testament. Remember when Israel departed from God of Israel and had its idols. 
and then God would take uh, pagan kings and pagan nations worshiping other whatever and punished Israel with the hands of pagans and this is the, this is it because uh, these guys they don't speak Russian they speak so uh, that's from Chechen and they're basically clear clearing basically that they're doing the justice God's justice God is doing justice through the hands of uh, Muslims in this case I mean these Muslims they know what's right and what's wrong <laughs> unlike Ukrainian Nazis who were born in Christian nations but they departed from God or their ancestors so this is an important point because this is the same story like in uh, Old Testament and uh, it's like alright yeah, that's, that's kind of cool isn't it I think that's kind of cool See, see, so now you don't have to listen to the dribble coming out of Hannity or whatever, or whatever mind control slave that's on the news right now. You're actually hearing what's happening from somebody who grew up in Odessa and has, and there's family and neighbors and villagers, and they all talk amongst each other, and they know what's going on. They know what's going on, and they're Christians. These are real. They are real Nazis. Okay, and I, you know, so anyway, um, it's, it's a long story. It goes back to this dude named Bandera who joined up with Hitler way back in the 40s, and blah blah blah. And they they joined in the Holocaust. They actually th- these people hate with vicious vitriol. They hate. Oh, and by the way, did you know that it's even in the churches? Yeah. So th- there's a lot of churches over in the Ukraine that hate the guts of anybody who is not. It's all about that whole concept of purity. They they want their they want the only the Ukrainian. They don't want anybody who speaks any other language. They don't want any no red and yellow, black and white, none of that kind of stuff. They hate everybody, kind of like Hitler. And that's how how it is. But anyway, um, uh, to to her point, she is absolutely correct. God is bringing down the hammer on these. You know, so they may claim that they come from Christian roots. But but you know what? Neo-Nazis in the United States of America, what do you think they are? They think they're Christians too. And we're going to see a lot of that, John 16 too, and they will kick you out of the synagogues. Yes, there will come a time that they kill you and think that they have done God a service, but they have done this because they do not know the Father nor me. All right, praise God. Next one up. Hallelujah. So I wanted to share that with you because that adds a little bit of realism. It's one thing if I'm sitting here saying, yes, I know people over in Ukraine. It's another thing if you get to hear them explain some of the stuff that's going on over there. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So hopefully that uh, added a little bit of realism to my testimony as well and also help you to understand how very real and awful the situation is over there and how much we're being lied to. Next one up. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. This report is from uh, Sign of the Time News. The skyrocketing price of fertilizer has caused a worldwide nightmare that global leaders can no longer deny. And actually, this is a reprint of an article from Michael Snyder at the Economic Collapse, and we've had him on the show several times, and he's wonderful. And he's just uh, basically going through here and mentioning uh, a whole bunch of different countries in the magnitude of the fertilizer problem and how it has a ripple effect on the food supply because there's a lot of places where uh, without adequate fertilizer, you know, stuff just doesn't grow. And that's only one teeny-weeny little bitty 
part of a very, very large global corporation. As a matter of fact, a lot of economists and really super smart people that are way smarter than me on this subject um, uh, are saying that by this fall, uh, it's going to be super duper 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 bad. So we need to, you know, uh, prepare as much as we can and uh, trust God. Amen. Praise Jesus. All right, next one up. World Net Daily reports lawmakers in the third in third state are promoting a plan to allow infanticide. Now, I don't like to read these. I don't like them. They make me upset. Um, but I will say this. Uh, just remember, as you're seeing a handful of states doing some really terrible things in the world of, uh, you know, this particular subject, just also remember that there's an equal – actually, there's more than double the number of states that are all – coming very close to almost totally outlawing it as well. So praise Jesus for that. Hallelujah. Next headline up. Praise God. Referendum on joining Russia may be held in LPR in the new, near future. Okay. And so again, uh, you know, this is basically the whole Crimea dynamic happening in Donbass. The way it works is Donbass is actually a region. Lugansk and Donetsk are sub regions within the Donbass region. And all the and, the and really the reason why those areas essentially because it's sort of like Chinatown. You know, you go to New York City and you're like you're in Chinatown. You you go to Los Angeles and you have like Chinatown and you know a lot of people from China live in Chinatown. Well, in the case with Donbass, a lot of Russian speaking people got together because they were they were getting killed. You know, these Nazis it literally and here's the here's the sad thing. Even if Russia completes their special operation and wipes out the Azov division and all that kind of stuff and you know denazifies and you know to the degree that they perceive it as denazification. I don't know what that means to Russia. Denazification. All I can tell you is I've been doing some additional homework on this from things that people have been sending me and I can tell you this. The cancer runs real deep. Okay, the problem is in the Ukraine and also a lot of Poland, this white supremacist attitude is really pervasive. It, it's like stage four cancer. So Russia could do their special operations, take out the entire Azov division, get rid of all of the armaments and uh, you know military equipment, pull back out, go back to Moscow, put somebody else in, in charge of the place, get rid of Zelensky. And then um, – and you might say everything's going to be just fine. The problem is the cancer of the Nazism in that country is everywhere. It's north, south, east, and west. It's everywhere. And it's ingrained into the youth. It's ingrained into the churches. It's, it's almost like going back into 1938-39 Berlin. The situation is really bad, and the sad part about that is that even if the special operation that Russia is doing right now is 100% successful and they pull back, they won't have gotten all the cancer out. The only way that they, you know, I'm, this is just a fact, the only way that they could get rid of the problem, and it would never completely get rid of it, but it would definitely keep it under control, is if they occupied it. But occupational forces are, you know, 100, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 times more forces than what they have in there. Right now, they're just, you know, their biggest problem is dealing with the Nazis, slaughtering the Ukrainians and then blaming it on them. That's why they wired explosives to the, to the dam uh, on, on Odessa Lake. 
They don't care that, you know, tens of thousands of people are going to die when, you know, 15 foot of water goes washing over their homes. They don't care. They want to point over and look, look what Putin did. No, it's the Nazis. But, of course, you know, Fox News and CNN, what are they going to say? We already know. It's it's sickening. It's nauseating. And there isn't enough kaopectate or Phillips milk of magnesia to help us get over it. So we just got to let it go. And just watch God be God and praise Jesus for the people that are going to church right now and seeking the Lord because of the hard times they're going through. Because you know what? That may be the only thing that saved them from the pit. Praise Jesus. That's how God works. All right. Hallelujah. Next one up. Praise you, Lord. Epic Times reports heart issues detected months after COVID-19 vaccination, uh, according to this study. And uh, this is like old news. And we're going to see this. We're going to see more and more and more and more and more and more, more and more constant, continuous updates about, you know, bad, bad things associated with the vaccine and the booster shots and people dropping dead and all that kind of stuff and, you know, immune, immune disorders and things like that, because it's exactly what it was designed to do. It's called eugenics. It's a Nazi. It, it, this is a Charles Schwab World Economic Forum slaughter of mankind on a worldwide level. You know, and, you know, I, what can you do? You, you know, I, I think Glenn Beck nails it. Nothing I mean, happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Russia claims United States tested experimental drugs on Ukrainian soldiers. And that's actually true. I read some articles uh, from multiple sources uh, that uh, the uh, bioweapons labs that they uh, are trying to blame everything on Russia. And, of course, you know, everything's Russia. I even have a cartoon, you know. Even I do. I have a cartoon where um, where uh, this guy is standing there with, um, you know, a dog bowl and his dog is, you know, right in front of him. And he's like trying to put the dog bowl down for the dog. It's a cartoon, you know, cartoon. And uh, the dog obviously wants more, um, more food in the bowl. And so, and the guy's like, you know, explaining to the dog, you know, whatever. And, and the dog's like barking at him going, fake news, Russia. Fake news, blame you know, it's like blame, blame, it's like everything is Russia. Uh, anyway, whatever. But you know what, folks? We're not from here. We're not staying here. We are sojourners. We have a job to do. We are, as it says in Philippians three twenty, citizens of heaven. Give it to the Lord. We're gonna watch the end times movie go right past us. And we're going to do what the Lord wanted us to do since before we were born. Psalm 139, verse 16, Ephesians 2, 10. Walk in those works. Praise his name. Next one up. Second black box recovered from the China Eastern plane crash. And a lot of people, uh, I've had some people ask me, blah, blah, blah. What do I think caused the plane? There's only one thing that can cause a plane to shoot to the ground like that one did. And it's called the dislodging of the vertical stabilizer. I know they're making a lot of fuss. Oh, what could have caused this? What could have caused this? There's only one thing. When the vertical stabilizer on a jet becomes dislodged and no longer operates, the jet points to the ground and goes straight down. Okay. Gravity takes over and it's game over. All right. Next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you. El Salvador imposes a state of emergency amidst increased deaths at the hand of gangs. 
All right, and where does that happen? That's pretty much happening. Uh, well, it seems like, I mean, maybe I'm overstating it, but it kind of almost seems like these dynamics are things like this, gangs taking over, roving gangs of people, people being shot, people being uh, kidnapped. I mean, uh, my, my daughter was like, you know, all happy, and she's like, hey, I'm, uh, me and George are going down to the Dominican Republic, and we got a really great hotel and this, that, and that. And I'm like, where? I'm like, well, you better watch your P's and Q's, man. Speak, you know, they, they have roving gangs down there. They go into the hotels and they scoop people up and try to get, you know, I don't want to have to, you know. Anyway, so I told her, you just look over your shoulders. <laughs> you know, and it's it's happening all over the world. I mean, we it's always kind of happening with the gangs and stuff in Africa, but we're seeing more and more of it in Central America. It's been going on in Mexico like forever. Uh, anyway, praise Jesus, and it's and guess what? These kinds of things are going to get a lot worse. It's not, you know, I'm not as much concerned about the things that we see and know about. It's the things that we're not noticing that's happening that are going to sneak up and really wail upon the inhabitants of the earth, which is part of God's plan. Praise God. All right, next one up. Majority of Brits expect heating and energy bill problems, according to polls, and they're already having that. As a matter of fact, they're turning down some of the poor people that are going to like food, food, food places to get food help, you know, because they don't have any money. Well, they're turning down potatoes because they can't afford the power to boil the potatoes. So they're just taking other food. And that's something. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessings. Next one up. How Biden sparked a global uproar with nine ad-libbed words about Putin. And those words were, for God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Now, was that said because he was a geriatric shape-shifting reptilian? I don't know. But let's, let me tell you, <laughs> you don't want to say those words. Uh, no, 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 no. But anyway, that's okay. They're trying to instigate World War III. It's, it's all part of the end times. It's all part of Revelation chapter 6. It's all part of the day of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we're definitely heading there gangbusters. All right, next one up. Biden says, Butcher Putin cannot remain in power. So there's another confirmation from another news source. Another one, The Bite reports, North Korea launches wave of hacks directly at United States companies. And I'm like, okay, great, great. So we're getting, uh, the, our, our rails are getting greased. It's that whole Klaus Schwab warning about, you know, um, uh, the power grid getting taken down and how terrible that would be. And this, you know, so what's going to happen? If somebody, you know, one thing is for sure, pretty much just about whatever the next calamity is, you can believe with all of your heart it's going to be a false flag and they're going to blame it on Russia because that's what they do. All right, next one up. Egyptian foreign minister to join upcoming historic Abrahamic Accord Summit in Israel. This is where everybody gets together and you have one big happy religion and the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews and everybody and they have a big place and they all worship and, you know, and they hold hands and it's all the stuff that you would not want to do. Okay. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. News Wars. Listen to this. Biden refuses to rule out first strike use of United States nuclear weapons under, quote, extreme circumstances. See, this is you, – you use this rhetoric to instigate war, and that's what they're trying to do. All right. Next one up. Ukraine conflict could spark food riots in poor countries. Guess what? It's going to probably spark food riots all over the world. Um, and, and the list just goes on and on and on. But on that note, we're 10 minutes after the 8 o'clock uh, moment. We got and we got uh, the show is all Darren and Jen's uh, to, to give us the, the, the testimony. We're, I hope they share with us everything that they feel led to share and also realize that they have, um, wow, uh, let's
let's see, it looks to be one hour and 20 minutes of time till 9.30 Eastern East Coast time uh, to share the testimony. And they can, and even if they want to go into overtime, they can go into overtime. So praise God. Uh, let's go ahead and bring them on live. This is a powerful testimony. What a blessing. Here we go. God. Now I got two numbers here that are really, really close, which makes me almost yeah, think that the really did, did um it, uh, I just flipped on one of the call doc numbers. Is this Darren? Is Darren and are you both going? To, Darren and Jen, are, did you both call in, uh, or are you on the same phone line? Are you there, Darren? Jen, hold on a second. Got to make an adjustment to the sound soundboard here. Something clicked off on me. Darren, Jen, are you there? We're yeah. here. We're here. Sorry, his phone's not through, so we called on mine just to be sure, but his is working now. Oh, okay. Yes. Sometimes when we have more than one person call in, they'll call in on different phone numbers, and I'm never really sure. So, But this is perfect. Okay, great. So anyway... As we typically do, a lot of people ask, hey, do you ask a lot of questions? What are you going to ask? You know, can you give us a list of questions and all this? You know, and we're totally different. We're, we're, we're an electronic ecclesia. It, you know, it's worldwide, you know, and, and that's how it's intended to be. The body of Christ is worldwide, all 243 countries plus island nations. You know, the body of Christ expands across all of that. All right now, and we know that. And so you're in an electronic church, and I am the electronic, uh, you know, over talkative babbling pastor kind of a guy and i'm going to grab my virtual folding chair and i'm going to go back back to the back and you guys are going to come up to the podium and the microphone is all yours thank you for joining us god bless you yes thank you john thank you for having us john um the testimony is certainly darren's testimony and it is very powerful i like to kind of start and just explain a little bit about who darren was prior his encounter and how it changed our life because I feel like if you don't really know that it's hard to understand the change in him um, so just a little bit about our life before the encounter Darren was we were married a few years and things were not going well I was not very happy and we fought a lot and Darren was a very hostile angry short fuse, would get in fights with people at the store for no no reason, really, um, if somebody even just looked at him sideways. Um, he had told everybody off in my family at one point or another, and sometimes it's hard for Darren to hear me talking like this about him, but it's who he was in this past life of his. He really lacked empathy, consideration for even just to, like, if I would say, you know, just like, let's not have this turn into something, you know, he just Whatever he wanted to happen is what happened. So I was really at my wit's end, and I went to marriage counseling. He agreed to come, and we had been seeing a Christian counselor, and even the Christian counselor told me he thought I should leave Darren because Darren was like a caveman. So that was uh, discouraging for me because I was hoping for some help, and, you know, I wasn't expecting the counselor to say that. But we would fight. I was a. I grew up 
a Christian, and Darren was an atheist. And we had a young son at the time, and he would fight with me about I was trying to find a church for our family, and he would say, you know, you fear the invisible man. This is ridiculous. You're chasing a fairy tale. So that gives you a little bit of an idea about who Darren was prior to his encounter. And then all this kind of happened around our two-year-old son, Griffin. He was a healthy, never been sick a day in his life, and he got sick. He had croup, and we took him to a bunch of doctors. It escalated into him going into cardiac arrest and being flown to a larger hospital. But those two things are just a glimpse of our life before the encounter. Yeah, so this is Darren. So uh, Dan took up to the point where my son Griffin uh, got sick and life flooded uh, to a major hospital. And there we stayed for four days with him. Um, every there was there was somebody responsible for him being there, and everybody kind of knew that guy wasn't going to be be okay. And uh, there we stayed for four days, and my son uh, we thought would be okay, and then we knew he wouldn't be okay. And until the fourth day when they had done a brain death exam on him and lasted an hour, and they inflict pain, and he did not pass the exam. He had no pain response. So the doctors uh, laid him down in bed and took, he had a head wrap on with electrodes and a gadgetry everywhere, and they kept him on life support and said, you know, we'll be back in 12 to 24 hours, and uh, at that point we'll be taking him off life support. I I said, no, no, no. You know, I, I can't have every time somebody's coming in a room is this it? So they agreed to 4.30 in the afternoon, which was 24 hours. So my wife got to lay down in bed with him, and uh, there she laid for, boy, eight hours, eight hours, I suppose. And I just sat and watched. I just couldn't couldn't believe what was happening. And uh, she said, oh, Boy, I've been so long. I've I've laid here, and uh, you you've I've hogged him, and I haven't got to to you know to share these last moments with you at, and and him at all. So we we traded places, and she had me lay down, and she took my my space, and I laid down with him, and things things got dark. Things got very dark for me. I uh, within a half an hour, I, I I had to get out of bed, and I sat in a chair looking at him. I was always, no matter what the situation was, I was always tough enough. And uh, here I, I I wasn't tough enough. Things were just so dark, and I couldn't comfort him. So I sat there beating myself up, and I'd work up the courage again to to go lay down with him some more, and. Each time it was less. The next time, 20 minutes. And I found myself back in that chair looking at him. The, the very last time I laid down, I right away I 
I grabbed his right hand uh, with my right hand like a handshake, and I said, son, I never even got to teach you how to shake hands. And I touched his head. And at that moment, I was gone. I, I, I was gone. I was with him in heaven. Now, I could only see blue, but I saw him. And, and I, I couldn't believe what was happening in his face, but he was just so happy. And he was looking back at me. Uh, and we were traveling. Uh, he was, my uh, left hand was in his right hand, and he was ab- above me and forward. And, and we were moving at an angle forward. It felt like 60, but without any wind. And as he, he looked at me, I, I just couldn't. I was so happy. I couldn't believe what was happening until he would look away. And when he would look away, I felt very ill. I, I, I felt like I would throw up. And he'd, he'd look back at me and everything would be okay. And he would looked away from me again. And this time, I hear him beating myself up again. I, I remember saying to myself, this is a rare chance with your son. I can't even believe this is happening. And you're going to get sick. You really need to toughen up. And just then, my son looked back at me and chuckled with a big smile. And he knew my thoughts. And he said to me, telepathically, really, you're not sick. But I, I knew everything that that meant. I immediately knew I was outside of pain. My sense of feeling was a thousand times better than I could feel on earth. I, I couldn't translate how good I was feeling. I, I thought I was sick until it was explained. But I, I also knew everything that things didn't mean. Uh, and even those words, you're not sick. I knew the sin condition of of us. I I I knew what things meant. I um I the atmosphere then took over and started um loving me, just just loving me so deeply. Uh, I was just totally saturated with it. Sorry, a little cough there. <clears throat> so, as we were would travel, I was I was getting information, and that uh, information uh, would come just so incredibly loving. I, at one point, I I I saw something I had done. I had a, a bit of a life review. I saw an employee of mine. <clears throat> And I, I had terminated him. And I, I was totally fine with, with terminating him. He, he deserved it, and uh, as the world would be. But God, who was that atmosphere, showed me what I was supposed to have been doing. Uh, and it wasn't um, using people, usefulness, mutual usefulness with one another, I, I was supposed to be shepherding people, really, and, and taking care of them instead of just using them. 
so what seemed right in my eyes, in the world's eyes, uh, was not right, not in the eyes of God, not not at all. Uh, so at, as that review would happen, it, it was done so firmly, there was no debating it. But it was also done so lovingly that I just 100% accepted it. Like it was revelation to me. Like, wow, I had... I didn't know. I, I didn't know that's what I was supposed to be doing. But I could see also God had been providing for me like he does to everyone. And so many times I would go my own way and, and, and kind of ruin, ruin a bit of what he was trying to do. So the whole time I, I have a larger company, and I thought I had built it. Uh, it was a troubled company, and I'd taken it over, and and uh, it really made it good. And I thought it was all me, and I could see it wasn't me at all. Um, the, the Lord had been doing all this wonderful, and I would always just be so stressed, and uh, because I thought it was me, and it it, it wasn't completely. It's the Lord. So as we continue to travel, a lot of things um, were kind of struck from my mind. I, uh, I, I don't know exactly how long I was there. I, I know what time I had gotten back, but we had just kept traveling, and I just kept learning. So we had finally reached uh, this place, and Griffin, my son, was so excited. It was the pinnacle of of what he wanted to do. And he wanted to introduce me. He wanted to show me something. <clears throat> and we had had reached this spot where he was just overcome, but he didn't know that I couldn't see. So he he looked back and got information. I believe at that point I I, I could sense that it was Jesus Christ is who we had come to. And Jesus had told him, you can't see me. But he told my son to ask him the question. So he looked at me and he said, can I stay? And I knew, <clears throat> I knew that I could say yes. And he, he'd be gone. And I, I knew I could say no. And he would be back with us. But after experiencing that love of God that was thousands of times more than I could love my own son, I, I looked at Griffin and I, and I said, wow, wow, meaning, of course, of course you can stay would be cruel to not have you stay. And right at that moment, I was, I was uh, brought back into the hospital bed, um, back, back on the earth. So that was uh, my experience in heaven. But when I had come back, I was allowed to remember uh, quite a few things, the things I just said. Um, I could understand meaning of life. I could understand things like a parent's responsibility 
um, was far different than what I thought it was. You know, the parent's responsibility is to love your child in truth, to lead them to God. So someday they go to heaven, and he was there. And I was just given this peace, just this the peace that just passed any understanding where here I am. In the last moments, at this time, it was 3.35 in the morning. And I had uh, a little over 12 hours, 12 hours left with him. But I had just been filled with so much peace that that um, those uh, moments left, I, uh, I, w- I wanted him to be to be with Jesus in those moments. So I, I, I'm going to hand this over to my wife so she could take a little bit from here. So, yes, he experiences this with Griffin. And as you can imagine, losing a child is very dramatic. And it was the hardest time of our life at that time. And here we are just hours from saying our final goodbyes to Griffin. And Darren is comforting us now. And he is telling us all, it's all about love and relationships. That's what he just kept saying. It's all about love and relationships. And he's telling us like he's <laughs> helping us. Like, you guys, it's all about love and relationships. And we're like, yeah, we know. You know, we know that. But he just had this peace about him. You could tell that the experience he had, it instantly changed him. I described to people it was like a Paul-type experience. And here he is just comforting us. And, you know, we had our son to quite a few doctors, and even one of them called us melodramatic when we told him that um, we thought Griffin was going to stop breathing. And at different times that would come up, you know, people would say like, oh, my gosh, you know, just like reference back to our experience with him getting this sick and, And Darren just kept saying, it's all about love and relationships and expressing that he had just this forgiveness in him that was, could only happen through divine nature. So we continued on for the next few hours. And then the next day, Griffin was pronounced brain dead and and we had to say our goodbyes to him. So then we come home from the hospital. I, I might have been that day, but I think it was the very next day. And Darren went and got a Bible. So this is this is my husband, who was a complete non-believer, who we had a, another son at the time, and he was a, around 15 years old. And in the past, Darren had forbidden him from going to church with his friends. He was that against just Christians, and he can tell you a little bit more about that, why. But here he is. I I need a Bible. I need a Bible. And he spent, I I was, you know, getting used to this new version of my husband, but he was obviously very affected by what happened to him and the loss of Griffin. And he just stayed home and dug into the Bible and just wanted to know, you know, put words to what he had experienced. Yeah, so I had studied for, for it was probably 
my wife always says a year and a half. I bet it was closer to two two years, and I couldn't um, I couldn't force myself to do anything else but learn more about Jesus Christ, who loved me like He did. I I just had to know every detail. But when I was at this store, I'd also picked up. I was just drawn to this this other. Uh, CD, I experienced heaven and I knew it and I didn't really tell a lot of people. I, I told my wife other than this radio show I haven't told a lot of people. I've I've uh, been asked to speak a couple times three times and I did but um, didn't really tell a lot. However it was so dramatic what happened. I went from a violent selfish person uh, to quite the opposite of a very loving and compassionate that I couldn't even um, really give consequences uh, by my company I almost lost because two different people embezzled all my money and I just forgave them and I just went on with life and as I would study uh, scripture I also uh, would listen to this this one CD that I had got when I had gotten the Bible. I was just drawn towards it. And it was this gentleman that experienced the opposite. And uh, his name was Bill Weiss, and he was in hell for 23 minutes. I later found out through a, a very wise priest that he asked me, how long were you there? And I said, I have no idea. And he said, you wouldn't know. You're outside of time. And he said, you went there at 3 o'clock, so I guess I was in heaven about 35 minutes, and I knew what time it was when I got back. So I listened to this other gentleman about hell, and I, I had uh, a revelation, I believe, from God. In fact, I know it was from God. That it was very simple that uh, show people, people hell. And people, I'll bring people to you, and and uh, people that are suicidal, and just show them, show them what hell is like. So it just started happening. It started happening right away. I was just a new Christian, and I, boy, so far today it's been eleven years, and there's been well over a hundred of. Uh, a different active suicides people in the process uh, that uh, will get a hold of me uh, just randomly right, um, divinely uh, for a suicide deliverance and that same priest he asked me hey since you were in heaven um, did you come back with anything and I said yeah this power to like deliver suicide and he said how do you do it and I said I just break the deception. And he said, that's exactly how you do it. So all these people, there's like two different camps. Um, most, the majority of the people are not Christians. They would believe that uh, they would just stop existing and everything would be over. But because I was, I guess I'm a bit of an expert that there is an afterlife and I could prove it. Um, I would tell them that, 
and then I would show them, like, if you murder yourself, it's a great, great sin. Do you want to see what that would be like? And it's so horrid that it would make you not wish your worst enemy. And today, out of hundreds, there's only been one. Unfortunately, it was a family member. Um, and 11 years. So as uh, things went on, I, I had grown in this, this ministry of really getting people saved, and occasionally suicides would 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 stop. So I had uh, grown uh, very, very close to my father, and he was not a uh, believer. He converted with me. I, I told them, I told my very close family, hey, I, I went to heaven, and this is the truth. This this whole this this whole life goes so fast. Whether you're two, like like Griffin, or you grow to be a hundred, I could see eternity and and how quick we pass through this life, and how how we can make an impact. Why not make much of an impact at all? I choose to make an impact. So those relationships and that love that we have uh, for the lost or found uh, for each other, and having those continue on, and we we know we know some things in heaven, uh, like my son Griffin, who was only two, would have uh, accomplished so much, you know, by him asking Jesus. If if he could ask me if he could stay, and that being granted has just affected so many lives, and I can't imagine a two years old and the treasure the treasure he has in heaven. But a lot of people, you know, they just kind of move on about their faith, and I, I felt well, I need to have an active faith where I'm not preaching at people, uh, but just good. Um, um, just uh, just goodness. And and we would see, my wife and I would see, just everybody around us. Nobody was believers. And then suddenly, everybody is believers. And my father uh, became a believer who had grown up in a very harsh, unloving Christian home. And, and he was a great man. He was like a John Wayne to me. I had a great childhood. I don't know why I was so violent, but I was. Um, very strong man, and but very loving at the same time. But I just would be always so good to my mom. Never ever say anything bad. And uh, he started going to church, and I would, or I could still hear him sing a song, "Jesus, Remember Me." And um, I got to spend a very close time with him. It was his company that I had taken over. It was nearly bankrupt. When I had taken it over Uh, So him and I had just always had this Business relationship He's a great father A serious man But it was kind of a business relationship I always had Uh, But we had grown to be father and son And I just couldn't get enough of him My my wife was uh, Over at the house And I was out hunting And and uh, she said, Darren, you've got to get over here. He's 
uh, something's wrong with your dad. He says his back is out. Uh, so I rushed over to the house and I said, hey, Pavel, you know, what's going on? You know, I want to take you to the hospital. And he, he let me. Uh, but he wasn't a fan of hospitals. He didn't trust doctors. So uh, I uh, loaded him up and took him there and got him checked out. And and uh, they had said, Fred, you haven't even been in for a physical in 47 years. You were diabetic and you had suffered a heart attack, but you couldn't tell uh, because you don't have any nerves left. So, you know, we're going to try to get you fixed to a point where we can uh, do a surgery. Uh, but they had privately told me he was very upset that, that that's what was wrong with him. And they had privately told me he wasn't strong enough uh, to, to endure an operation. But they would spend the next few days to try to get him to, get him to a point where they could operate. And I never told him, and he would talk about all the, all the things he wanted to go on with life when he was so sad that Griffin was gone that I could see him kind of give up on life. But now that he was facing it, he wanted to stay. And after the uh, third day, they were supposed to operate, and they didn't. He had some uh, some um, uh, liquid on his lungs, some fluid on his lungs, so they were going to clear that up. And that night, I'd, I'd been there too late, and I said, hey, Pap, I'm going to, go uh, home and get a couple hours sleep, and I'll be back at 5 in the morning. And he said, all right. And I had just got home, and I called, and he had suffered a major heart attack and had to be resuscitated. So they they called, and I went right there, and I could still hear him, his voice rumbling down the hall when they said, your son's here. And I could still hear him say, all right, from 50 yards away in a quiet hospital. And I went into the room, and he said, hey, bud. And I said, hey, Pat, I'm just going to lay my hands on you and pray. And you rest, and we confirmed uh, that they were going to operate in the morning. And and they said they were, so he went right to sleep. And in the morning, uh, my mom came, and my wife came, and uh, he woke up, and a doctor had come into the room and said, hey, Fred, I heard what was what happened last night? He said, well, you're going to operate? You should have done it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, no, Fred, we can't operate now. And he said, uh, well, then go out in the hall and get some papers that say release because you're not going to be the guy that kills me. I can go home and die. And the guy looked like, oh, he means it. So he, he did. And my dad looked at me real sheepish, like, oh, boy. Am I in trouble with you? I said, no, Daddy, if you want to go home, I'll take you home. And you're the boss. And this time he could feel it. And he he looked at me and he said, here it comes. And he had had a major heart attack. And I yelled and the blue lights went off and uh, everybody grabbed me and tried ripping me out of there. But... I used to be a tough guy. I still am a little bit. And I said, no, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stand here and pray and just leave me alone. And they left me alone. And uh, they did CPR. And a priest came and 
and uh, tried talking to me and I yelled at him. I said, listen, I'm praying and just stop talking to me and I'm not leaving. He was trying to be slick and get me out, you know. And I was just, I, I was just so distraught. I didn't even know what to pray. It wasn't anything fancy. I prayed the 23rd Psalm. It's the only thing I could think of just over and over and over. And after about a half an hour, I yelled, you know, stop, you know, stop. It was just so brutal. <laughs> he kept having um, heart attack after heart attack. And uh, they just ignored me and continued and continued and continued. And it went on uh, total for an hour and 40 minutes. And I just kept praying the 23rd Psalm. And uh, then everybody left the room, and this wonderful doctor said, "Listen, you know, I, I, I could, I could hear you, and I don't want to be cruel. However, your father's been dead for well over an hour and a half. You know, there wasn't enough oxygen to his brain, and the machines keeping him alive. And maybe three, four minutes, uh, but he's." always going to be brain dead. There's a zero chance of him ever coming back. So I said, oh, I, I understand. And she said, if there's anyone here um, that would like to say goodbye, let's do that quickly. Um, and I said, oh, okay. So I went and got my wife and I said, hon, you know, Pap just had a major heart attack and he didn't make it. He's he's gone. And she went into the room and went to say goodbye. And I I stayed with our daughter. Uh, forgot to tell that part. We had a wonderful daughter after seven years of trying to have a son, and then I'm dying. We got the Lord blessed us right away with the daughter. So I stayed with her, and um, my wife came running right back out. Uh, Less than a minute after she went in to say goodbye uh, to Pat and said, you're not going to believe it, his, his hand moved. So I walked into the room and that wonderful doctor uh, was talking to my mother and said the same thing she told me, which was, you know, three or four minutes. That was nerves. Uh, it's going to get worse. Um, his hand twitched and... And we should just stop this right now. And I went over and I I grabbed his hand. And I don't know, the Holy Spirit came over me. And and I just screamed, um, screamed loud. I'm not the kind of guy that would do stuff like that. And I screamed, Dad, you died. Are you with Jesus? And boom. His eyes opened, and he was looking at me. And he turned his head and looked at my mom and squeezed her hand you know, twice for, you know, for yes and looked back at me. I couldn't believe it. And uh, the doctor started screaming. I, I don't know if she was a believer. I sensed that she wasn't. Um, but she she started screaming. Oh, my God, oh, my God, it's a miracle. It's a real miracle. And the priest that was there, uh, there was a real chatty guy, uh, 
started chatting her up, and he said, look, I've been, been in here 15 minutes. I've never seen this miracle, and this is a real miracle. And right here, my dad is looking at me, and that's what I'm focused on. And I said, Dad, could you see the prayer in heaven? I don't know why I said that, but that's what I said. And he squeezed my hand twice for yes, that I could see I could see prayer. And he looks at my mom and squeezed her hand twice for yes. So he's looking back at me. And I say, uh, Dad, was, was Griffin with you with Jesus? And he looks at me so bright, his eyes were just telling me stories. But he started getting out of bed. But his hands were drawn down to the bed uh, with rope. And I grabbed his shoulders and I said, no, Dad, they, they broke you up so bad. You know, but the doctor just couldn't believe what was happening. Or the priest. And they grabbed me and they ripped me off of him and said, no, let him be. This is a real miracle. Uh, so my dad sits up and, and looks just so bright-eyed at me and shakes his head up and down, yes, and looks at my mom and says, yes, I was with Jesus. And Griffin was with him. And then he lays back down and they operated and um, and uh, he had survived the operation and I couldn't believe that either. And the doctor's hospital was so excited and but unfortunately, by the time uh, he recovered, uh, he had passed from all the CPR uh, that was done. Uh, so I have just two wonderful testimonies of me. Yes, I, I can tell you, man, I can tell you exactly the love of God. Man, it's a thousand times more. It's a thousand times more than the greatest person you ever met that could possibly love you. And forgiveness, just the kind of guy I was. To, he loved me. So to so easily forgive others because I'm forgiven. You know, and that love and relationships are what persevere forever. It transcends time. We will be out of, out of time soon. We, we will all be living outside of time, whether good nor bad. Um, so... To transcend time with loving and good relationships. I'll let my wife say a word here. So all that all that Darren's told you is true. All that he experienced has not left. It's been eleven years and you know, we haven't given our testimony a ton. The people in our life know it, but honestly, even locally, I, we were attending a church for a while after this happened, and we had told the pastor about our testimony. We had them over for dinner, and um, it, it was a Baptist church. I'm sure they're not all like this, but it just happened to be a Baptist church, and um, the pastor and his wife were here, and you know, we told our testimony, which took a lot of guts at the time, just because it was sort of early on and we weren't, tell, you know, hadn't told it a ton. And right away, the pastor was like, well, you know, 
you guys went through a lot. This was a very distressing time. And he basically said, you know, we were under distress and that it, it didn't really happen. And so, you know, that shaped us a bit too because we know that miracles happen today. God is not dead. And I've witnessed this miracle that was given to my husband, which is such a blessing and just so much hope that I hope everyone can can build up that hope for themselves that, you know, here I was in this marriage where I just despised my husband. I had no hope. I, I would have guaranteed we were going to be divorced. And just to think, you know, Griffin was such a a good kid. He was so contemplative and content. And he wasn't overly rowdy or jolly, but he would he was happy and he would just he was like the a watcher of things. And I, I think every day about how this gift was given to my husband. I didn't need this gift. I believed in God and I was trying to, you know, get him to come with me. And the gift that I received through this, you know, people have said to me over the years, well, don't you, you know, well, you didn't really have that gift or, you know, how was it for you? Do you feel like you were missing something? No, I don't feel like I was missing anything. Like, I just feel like this gift was for me. And even our older son, Dylan, he, um, he was about 15 when this happened. He had refused counseling. He was talking to his friends about what had happened. That's what he would tell us when we would talk to him about counseling. And um, I always get part of this a little bit mixed up, but he was going through a rough time at college and going down a wrong path. And I would say to Darren, you know, you have to go get him. You need to bring him home. Well, what do you want me to do? I said, well, we need to lock him in the basement. You know, I'm worried about him. And Darren said, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. And he would. And at the time, we had a Bible study here, each of us. But Darren invited him to his Bible study. And Dylan came. And it was, you know, at least one time into that Bible study, and Dylan came to me. He said, you know, Jen, do you believe in all this, like, I don't even know if this is all real. And I said, well, of course it's real. I mean, he said, well, I never had an experience like dad had. I said, well, neither have I, but what dad had is my experience. And you could tell he was just like, well, I just haven't, I haven't had that. So he had come to the Bible study, I think three times. And he went home that night and the next day he called and he said, where's dad? And I said, oh, he's out of town. He won't be back till tonight. And he said, you guys need to meet me at Nan's right away as soon as you can. And he explained to us how he had this dream that night. And Pat came to him in this dream. And as Darren described, Pat was like John Wayne. And he was just standing there. And there was this light. And Darren was there too. And Pat looked at Dylan and said, hey, bud, like he would, just to, just the way he would say it, real strong and just, hey, bud, you know, in a loving way, but firm. And Dylan said, you know, that dream with Pap was more real than me standing here today. And it, it sounds crazy, but it changed him. You know, it was an experience he had in a dream more real than, than today. And it changed him and brought him 
just out of his bad place and back on the right track. So we were really blessed with that. So everything that's happened to us, I'm just so thankful of God's grace through the tragedy has brought all this to our family, our friends, my husband, my marriage is restored. There is hope. There is hope. I never would have thought this would happen for Darren. And the other thing Darren probably wouldn't tell you himself is he prays every night. He's up every night, usually three, four in the morning, just praying, just praying and praying and praying. And he's so obedient, tell you often through scripture or things like that. But he'll come to me sometimes with just the most bizarre, you know, thing. And and he'll say, you know, God wants me to do this. And he does it. There's no hesitation. He just does it. And there's just been countless times, I mean, countless times, I think of all the blessings that this has been for us, all the things God's shown us that he didn't have to do, but he did. And all the people, yeah, I can recall us going, one example is I, we, we met this, this couple and we told them our testimony and then they wanted to tell their friends the testimony. Yeah. And, um, we only met them one time. They were here one time for dinner with another couple. And a couple months later, I saw her post something on Facebook, and it just seemed kind of cryptic to me. And I woke up that morning, and I said to Darren, I said, you know that girl who was here? Her name was Emily. I said, um, something's going on with her, I think. She posted something kind of cryptic, and right away he says, oh, that was my dream. She's having an affair. And I just looked at him like, what? He said, she's having an affair. Get her up here. Ask her if she'll come up. And I didn't even really know this girl, and I'm far less bold than Darren is. So I reluctantly text this girl, hey, you know, I don't know what you're going through. I know we're not that close, but I'd love to talk to you. Could you come up tonight? And about an hour or two later, Darren texts me from work. What would she say? And I said, she didn't reply. He said, text her again. <laughs> so... I texted her again, you know, hey, I, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here for you, and I, I'm really asking if you'll come up tonight. And she said she would. So at the time, our daughter, and Darren would do a Bible study with her each cover a couple nights, and he just took her up for her Bible study, and I met with this girl. And it took a while. It, we were down here a while, but right before she pulls in, Darren says, when she tells you she's suicidal, come get me. And I just looked at him like, okay. And uh, sure enough, you know, it took a couple hours and she had told us this story and she had been having an affair and um, she was going to leave her husband and she had tried to kill herself earlier in the week. And I said, you know, this is going to seem strange, but my husband told me when you tell me that you're suicidal, I'm supposed to come get him. And, you know, that's just one example of, I, I don't know if it's because he's so obedient or so in tune or the just still continuing on part of the miracle from him, but he knows things and he'll say things that just, you look on him sideways like, what? But it always is true. It's always true. And so I just follow his lead. And like I said, it's just been a real blessing for us and our family and to see him go from, you know, I'm a believer, but I always say, you know, he went from an atheist to a knower. He just skipped a believer. He flat out doesn't believe. He just knows. 
And I'm just so thankful for God's mercy and grace. And, of course, it's very difficult to be without Griffin. And I always say, you know, well, I'm also glad God didn't ask me if he could stay or he didn't ask me if he could stay because I'm not sure I would have um, been able to handle the situation like Darren did. But to just see what God's done for my family and to watch my husband, who's a man that I really despised, and the only thing that kept me from leaving him was our son because I didn't want to live one day without him. And um, that's another thing I just want to touch on real quick. Um, I had said that to the counselor when he told me I should leave my husband. I said, well, that's not going to happen because I don't want to live one day without my son. So you can imagine how wide-eyed our counselor was when we both showed up and he hadn't known that Griffin passed. And he just spent many, many weeks of counseling letting us know that, you know, we need to work on our marriage and the the likelihood of divorce after losing a child. But it's we just didn't care. Like, I didn't care about any of that at the time. I was just grieving for my son. And, um, you know, my transformation was, not exactly like Darren's in the sense of I was awful thankful for his change, but I I wasn't that quick to forgive. And I was in counseling for a couple years after Griffin died. And I feel like it was around the two-year mark. I could be off on these dates, but, I, you know, I was kind of getting frustrated and still going to counseling with him. And, um, you know, at one point, this really changed my life, so I want to share it because I know there's a lot of people that need hope today. And, um, you know, I pretty much said to him, like, this isn't helping. Nothing is helping me. You know, I'm just surviving here. And I was awful thankful for the change in my husband, but I was still struggling on my own. And he said, he said, um, Jen, nothing I say to you is going to make what you went through not terrible. You went through the worst thing that any parent could ever go through. Nothing I say to you is going to make this not terrible. And then he said, but do you have any blessings in your life? Because I was telling him how, you know, I pray. It's like a laundry list of all the bad things in the world. Like, like. And uh, he said, do you have any good things in your life? And I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, what? So of course, you know, I had to name things. He wanted me to actually speak them. And he said, well, you know, I can tell you that nothing I say is going to make what happened to you less terrible, but you do have blessings in your life. And you should start your prayer life thanking God for those blessings before you lose them. And that really, really impacted me. And I feel like some time, but I started my prayer several times a day just thanking God. I did this prayer, ACTS. It was adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. But just to remind myself and speak out loud God's blessings in my life, it, it changed my mind. It just changed my whole mindset and dug me out of that depression. And I'm just really, really thankful for all of it. Yes, that's that's our uh, testimony of how wonderful Jesus Christ is, especially in the darkest hours. All I can say is praise God. I've been sitting here um, 
crying, blowing my nose and going through Hanky's like crazy. This is amazing. Praise God. Yes, you have you have a, a, a First Corinthians chapter twelve um, word of knowledge gift from the Lord. It's a it's one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and um, and we all actually do have access to that. Um, uh, but in some people, it, it tends to be much more pronounced. Uh, and clearly, um, Brother Darren, you have been uh, blessed with that gift. And every time uh, the opportunity has been given to you to witness to somebody, to share with somebody, you know, whether it was suicide or something else, that you're, you're standing on holy ground. But I know that you already know that. And, um, uh, you know, so, yeah, and I, I you know, I, I'm – this is something that we talk about a lot on this program because the vast majority of the listeners of this program people who have left left churchianity for good reason oh, so yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah it, churchianity is a very dangerous place it's an eight lane freeway directly to hell for the most part and it's it's a very scary thing and um uh you know and so when people become when people fall in love with the lord and their life truly changes and they're like you are you know i'm very similar in that way you know i would submit probably the vast majority of the listeners are as well uh where you are you know like on your knees and you are absolutely praying through and pushing through to the lord uh, you know and and it's life-changing they're I call them mini miracles. You walk in almost like a spiritual walk whereby you start to see mini miracles happening all around you. There are these little coincidences, things that you see. The God talks, and I know that you know this, God talks to us in so many ways. Street signs, um, you know, driving down the road, you're looking for an answer to a, you know, been praying about something, you need to know the answer, and all of a sudden you look up the street sign, and the street sign says, you know, next Thursday, and all of a sudden it just hits your spirit, and you're like, I'm going to get the answer next Thursday, and you just kind of like know it, and also that yeah. thing that you said earlier. That's mind blowing. You said, you said, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Jen, you had said about Darren. You're like, he doesn't just believe. He knows. And I, I say that all the time. I'm like, folks, there's a big, gigantic difference between believing and knowing. When you get to the point where you know, there isn't any wiggle room. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, you know, that experience that you had with that, you know, pastor kind of poo-pooing your, your, your testimony – I mean, run for your life, folks. Get out of churchianity because you're not gonna, you know, you will seek me if you find me. If you seek me with all of your heart, and you're, 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 you're in danger. You're in, you're in once saved, always saved. No miracles, no speaking in tongues, no gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're, you're in a bad place. You need to run for your life. You need to run to the Lord. You need to spend time on your knees. You need to make this personal. This is, this is, this is a big, big deal. And your, your real growth in Christ. Your true sanctification begins when you get out from underneath the thumb of the ignorance of churchianity. So, um, wow, what a testimony. I mean, one confirmation after another. That guy wasn't even out of the house, and Darren was like, we're done with that. (laughs) And, you know, it's funny, my daughter. bad for him, honestly. It didn't, because, you know, you say something like like I'm saying, and, yeah, yeah, a lot of people won't believe you. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, I felt bad for that pastor. 
like leading a church and you just feel like God is dead. Like he can't do any miracles or anything. And I love the, the knower thing. My daughter's the same way. She's nine years old, right? And she prays constantly about really dogs. crazy things, dogs, you know, somebody lost their dog or whatever. But it's always like sort of outlandish things that she prays for. But she, she'll pray for these crazy things. And then in the morning I'll say, honey, you're never going to guess what happened. And I'll tell her, you know, like whatever she was praying for came true. And, and I said, you know, I'll tell her. And she goes, well, why wouldn't I believe that? Isn't that what we ask God for? So I just love it, and it's just I'm so happy to be, you know, living this miracle with my family today. Oh yeah, when you when you um, when you get, you know, it, it, sometimes we we go through the refiner's fire and and different periods of growth in our walk, and you know, and and so I, I the way I'll describe it is, you know, four steps forward, three steps backward. You know, it's it, you know, it because it, it, God will refine you. I mean, and in fact, He'll let you. Mm-hmm. Even after you're well into your walk and you're doing pretty darn good, uh, you know, God will let something really bad happen to you. And, um, and you know, and there's a reason for that. But you won't realize what the reason is until like four years after you're over the issue. You'll look back on yourself <laughs> and go, oh, my gosh, if I had continued down that path, thank the Lord he let that happen to me kind of thing, you know. But it's yeah. um, it is it's an amazing change that 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 it, and it's exciting too because you're you're constantly looking you're walking in this you know spiritual kind of sensitivity you know where where you're anticip- I mean I actually keep I don't know if y'all do this but I keep a journal um, and boy it's full of stuff um, you know of just many miracles, things that happen to just amazing things that are just like impossible. And, um, and it, it's very, uh, it's really, really faith building when you go through a little bit of a lull to go back and read all the things, the amazing, impossible coincidences that happened to you at just exactly the right time. And you knew that it was the Lord speaking to you, correcting your direction, your path. Uh, I, there was something I was going to share, but I guess it, it slipped my mind, so I'm not going to worry about it. But yes, everything that you said. Hundred percent, and yes, you're you're what you you know the point that you made about you know knowing that you were in the wrong place. Believe me, the, the, the anyway, I'm not you know this. The, thank you so much for sharing everything that you did because the convert not only did it confirm a lot of the things that we talk about on this program all the time, but it also added so much more. I don't know emotional depth to the awesomeness i mean wow do you know i mean uh, just uh, you know I, you know I, you know i don't even know how to put this in the words but think about this for a second how many people out there have a dog and when their dog gets sick they're like they don't want to let the dog go so they'll be like they'll take the dog back to the vet back to the vet they'll get you know i, I went through this with one of my dogs but any you know and, and they're trying to keep their doggy alive they're trying to keep their doggy alive they're trying to keep their doggy alive trying to keep their doggy alive why are they trying to keep their doggy alive they're trying to keep their doggy alive because they don't want to miss their doggy you know mm-hmm. it's like it's all about hey i don't want to miss my dog so I'm going to let the vet stick everything in the world inside my dog until my dog, you know, I'm going to keep my dog alive come heck or high water kind of a thing. And I'm like, 
wow, what an amazing testimony that you actually let your, you know, it's like, do you realize that 99.9 vinculum of 8.3 billion people on this earth would never have said, yes, son, you can stay? Yeah, right. <laughs> that right. in and of itself was right. a miracle. You know, it said it was really wow because it was so far beyond, like his love is just, so far beyond mine. Like I knew, like his love and my love is not the same. It, mine was like a tenth of one percent of his. But to such a point, though, um, that I, I, I can't, uh, I can, it really doesn't do me any good uh, to go to my son's grave, which is a, a, probably a popular thing to say, uh, because he's very much alive. Follow me. He's just very much a yes. It's just I will be with him so soon, um, so soon that I just kind of want to present goodness when I get see him again. Like, hey, that awful thing, um, boy, look how well look at the wonderful things the Lord did with that. Oh, it's it's. And look at and look at every. I mean, wow. I mean, I could. I you know, not to get preachy, but I mean, the, the parable of the talents and rewards. You know, Chuck Misler used to say uh, on a lot of his uh, teachings, he would say things like, "You know, I think the number one thing we're going to be unhappy about when we get to heaven is what we could have done, and didn't do." Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Could see that? Yes, I could see that clearly. I always yeah. joke. I always, I always joke with Darren, and I always say. I said, babe, I must be the only woman who wishes that her husband dies first. And he looks at me kind of sideways. Why? I said, because when I get to heaven, I'm going to say I'm with him. <laughs> because he just, you know, <laughs> That's awesome. Every second, you know, and um, we kind of chuckle about it. But I'm always thinking I'm going to get to heaven and be like, oh, yeah, I'm with him. Like I'll get a free pass or something. <laughs> have, you guys heard, have you guys heard Odin Hedrick's testimony yet? No. Oh, man, this is going to blow you away. Go to YouTube and type in the two of you together. You're going to flip out. Um, uh, I spoke to his daughter for about four hours, um, uh, you know, one one evening, and it was an amazing uh, four hours. And uh, we've had a, a number of people that have been taken to heaven, di- di- different folks, and we kind of hunt them down. We try, you know, because there's so much, you know, darkness in the world. You know, it's just it's so uplifting and just amazing. And so we we desperately, those of us who are awake and aware to all of the unfortunate darkness that we, that the world is engulfed in right now um uh you know we we need that you the know we need reset. that food. huh yeah. the again? great reset the oh, great the reset. great reset. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Unfortunately, this program kind of specializes in um, the, the, the world of the creepy. Um, but, uh, and you might say, well, why is that? Well, because people are awakening more and more and more to the depth of the darkness that the world is under the control grid, the I call it the global satanic crime syndicate, um, and, oh, and there's a lot of truth to that. If you if you know about that kind of stuff, and you know that Satan actually yeah, is, there is even CNN. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, he Satan actually shows up in the boardrooms of a lot of these entities meetings. Um, you know, this is some really creepy, dark stuff that's going on. Biden isn't human. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but he's not human. He's actually what's known as a uh, Nakash, which is a reptilian being, um, which is captured in Genesis chapter three. Um, but anyway, yeah. that's a fallen. It's a fallen Stop. seraph. Yeah, yeah, it's a fallen seraphim. You can uh, I have videos of him with his eyes. You, you zoomed in on his eyes, and you can actually see his eyes, like it says in the Testament of Reuben and Amaron out of the Dead Sea Scrolls. His eyes turn into that of a viper. I actually have the footage of that. But yeah, once you're once you become awake to what's actually going on, and you know about the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and the rise of the Fourth Reich and all the creepy weirdness that's actually going on over in the Ukraine that none of us are hearing about on the news because they're lying to us. And um, yeah, I know so about it. I know about you it. do well. Good for you. Yeah, okay. You're prime for the picking. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once you wake up to all that stuff, then you're kind of like, it's not like taking a red pill. It's like overdosing on the red pills and taking the whole bottle. And then you're like, now you're like stuck in this new place because you can't fellowship with anybody. You can't go to church and talk to it to, to anybody because they'll, they'll just look at you. They'll, they'll come after you like some old Star Trek episode with their hands out, like <laughs> going, I need to pray for you, brother. And they're really thinking they need to cast demons out of you because what you're saying is like to them is absolutely unbelievable, but it's true. It's what's really happening. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we're going to look up that guy's testimony. Oh, um, Odin Hutcher. O-D-E-N. Like... O-D-E-N. Yeah. H-E, just like it sounds. H-E-T-R-I-C-K. Odin yeah. Hetrick. He was taken to heaven over 81 times. And wow. you got to listen. To all, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And listen to the whole thing. It's on YouTube. Uh, and there are so many. Hmm. Let me just give you a teeny weeny little taste of the amazingness of the testimony. But you got to listen to it. You can't just listen to the mm-hmm. testimony. Oh, we will. You listen to it once, and you'll, you'll miss we do, it. So we'll do it. All right. So check it out. So this is one example. I tell people all the time, think about it. Eternity is a long time. And if we're going to rule and reign with Jesus, believe me, Jesus isn't going to come out and stand on a golden street and say, hey, everybody. Come on out of your, your uh, mansions and stuff. Let's go ahead and rule and reign together. And everybody comes out, and they get on the gold street. And Jesus says, and we all say it together in unison, in the name of Jesus, you there, squirrel, run up the tree and run back down again. You know, if that's your concept of ruling and reigning with Jesus, then you're not getting it. Okay, and so what is that? You know, a lot of people default back to the millennial kingdom, which is what is that? That you know, like a, a molecule compared to eternity. So when you understand that the kingdom of God is multiple universes, multiple dimensions, trillions of life forms, unbelievable untold numbers of galaxies, when when you realize what the kingdom of God actually is, and you realize that you're being primed to rule and reign with Jesus, okay. Ultimately, that's what the ruling and reigning is over. And I made this argument a, a, an untold number of times. Well, if you listen to Odin Hetrick's testimony, and this guy was born in, you know, he was a he was a pastor of a little bitty church in a one street light town and called Marysville, Pennsylvania, which right right down from where I was born. Anyway, so he get this: one of his visits to heaven, he was inside of his city mansion. Now he was given a city mansion and a country mansion. Not everybody does. Okay, because, you know, like Jesus said in 
Revelation 22, verse 19, or I believe it is, he said, Behold, I come quickly, and my rewards are with me to give to each according to their work. So when the church preaches a non-works gospel, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, you were saved by grace, so don't do a darn thing. Sit on your hand, pump our collection plate, and by the way, when you get to heaven and realize that you don't have any rewards at all, thank me. (laughs) So it's true. And and Odin, get this. Darren, this will blow your mind. So Odin is taken into a room in his city mansion. It, it, and it was one of what he called lessons. It was one of his lessons, his teachings. He's taken into a room, and there is a male and female being standing in front of him, not human. And he says, Spirit of God, take me out of this place. I do not belong here. And the Spirit of God <laughs> said to Odin, Odin, you're staying until you learn your lesson. So he was actually being trained how to deal with otherworldly beings Mm. in heaven, because that's part of what we're going to be doing when we're ruling and reigning with Jesus. We are the we are the royalty of all Mm -hmm. of the universe. So in first Peter two nine, it says, check this out. It says and people miss this. First Peter two nine. You are a royal priesthood. It doesn't say you're becoming oh, yeah, one. Yeah. It doesn't say you're becoming it. You are now. You are now a royal priest. And so we're being primed. This is it. This is the learning experience. This is Earth is it. And it's tough because if we don't keep a heavenly mindset when we're going through difficult times, then you know, you, you can easily slip into a state where you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're likely to get sucked into a whirlpool of sin for a while and, you know, you're going to have to fight yeah. your way back out of it. It is, you know, the, Colossians 3, 2, you know, keep your mind stayed on things above and not on things of this world. That is very, very yeah, I was very just going to quote that too. <laughs> Amen, right? And it's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. You know, I come out of prayer. Do you have the same thing happen to you? You probably come out of prayer, and then you have to go in and face the world and deal with the work, and it's like you can almost feel the world sucking Jesus right out of you. You know what I mean? Oh, man, sometimes it only takes seconds. Sometimes it only takes seconds. I know. I know. It's so hard. I I have a little – I have little reminders all over my desk, you know, so that when I'm, you know, getting frustrated by – a work circumstance, which is like a hundred times a day. Something. It's not that bad, but it's all, it feels like it sometimes. And I, I have like, you know, like I have a little rock here that has the word gratitude on it. It's, you know, and I, I'll, I'll just pick it up and I'll hold it. And I'll just, you know, as long as I'm not online on a zoom meeting with a billion dollar global company, I will, you know, go into prayer and I'll just, cause I love what you said, uh, Jen, you nailed it. I, a lot of, think about this. What if the only things that you have tomorrow are the things which you thanked God for the day before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it really changes. Yeah. It's like 
you know, I tell people all the time, man, listen, don't rob yourself of your blessing. If you're on your knee, if you're saying, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, and, and you're praying always, you know, uh, Luke 18, you know, constantly praying, constantly praying. You're the persistent widow. You always pray, but but you're not seeing the results. You know, maybe you're praying for your, like, for example, a kid, you know, and I, you know, and, and, you're, and you're saying, and maybe her name is Sally, and you're saying, Father, please, you know, save the soul of my daughter, save the soul of my daughter. And then you get frustrated because you're not seeing the change that you want to see in your daughter. So you say out of your mouth or you think in your heart, you say, you know, oh, it's just not working. I don't understand why she acts that way, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what you're doing is you're robbing yourself of the blessing because Mm – at that point, the accuser of the brethren is standing in the courtrooms of heaven, and he's pointing down at you and going, look, she doesn't even believe in her own faith and her own prayers. And then you canceled <laughs> out your blessing. you got to start from scratch. If that angel was already dispatched through the spiritual realm, and it's on its way like it was with Daniel in Daniel 9 and 10 when it got, when it got into the fight with the prince of Persia, if, that, if your gift, if your answer was already on its way, guess what? You just sent the angel home. You're not mm-hmm. going to. So what you got to do is you got to train yourself to be praiseful. You don't have the answer. You've been praying for two years on your knees for this thing to happen, and you're only the only way you're to deal with that is thank you, Jesus. I know you're going to give it to me. I know it's going to be in God's perfect time. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I I I don't know about y'all, but I walk around with these little um laminated <laughs> scripture cards in my pocket so I can like. I'll actually pull out like Mark eleven twenty three, and I'll like hold it up to Jesus and go, Jesus, did you say this or not? <laughs> okay, you know, because it says on my card that you said it, <laughs> and and you're not a man that you should lie. <laughs> so I don't know when you're going to give this to me, but I know it's coming, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. But it's funny because I'll talk to different women about prayer, and and I don't know, maybe it's just the people I'm encountering, but. I don't know if most people really know how to pray that way because I feel like it it becomes like a laundry list of like, it's almost just like a reminder for some people of everything that's wrong. Like they're just laundry listing like, well, you know, heal this person, help me with this. It's just a laundry list of everything that's terrible, but that's not it at all. And you get really wrapped up in it, like just spirals you into into that. But we have so many blessings that we just miss. Absolutely. Um, if you get a chance, get, um, do a search on the internet for how Satan stops our prayers. Combat in the heavenly realm. That's the title of it. How Satan stops our prayers. Combat in the heavenly realm. That's a white paper that was written by John Melindy, who is the senior pastor of one of the largest divine healing Um, ministries in the world located in Africa. And he wrote that white paper. It's the testimony of an ex-Satanist that's now saved. And the ex-Satanist used to work for Satan, and he would, his job for Satan was to astral project into the spiritual realm and to work with a team of demons and other Satanic workers to stop Christians' prayers. And you might say, well, that's impossible. No, it's not. Um, as a matter of fact, in First John, I'm sorry, uh, P- 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 
Peter 3.7, I believe it is, 1 Peter 3.7, I believe it is, it's, a, it's talking about how husbands and wives need to get along together. And at the very end of that paragraph, it says, otherwise your prayers will be hindered. So when husbands and wives are not getting along together, their prayers are hindered. They don't make it into the throne room as a petition. And this testimony mm-hmm. of this guy and how Satan stops our prayers is alarming because the vast majority of Christians think their prayers are making it into the throne room and they're not even getting close. You mm-hmm. have to pray through when, you know, the fervent, effective prayers of a righteous man avails much. You have to pray through. You have to punch it through. You have to lean in on it. You know, and people do this mamby-pamby, wimpy prayer stuff, and it's just – it ain't cutting the mustard. And, um, and you know, these are, these are revelations that change your life when you, when you realize what you're up against when you're fighting against forces of darkness. It changes everything, and, and your answers to your prayers will be much more – well, let's just say this. I won't say they're always going to be faster. That isn't the case, but I think – when you do get the answer to your prayer, it'll be more dramatic. It'll be a big deal. You'll know it. Um, it I, it's, it's hard to explain. But anyway, um, yeah, get that. You're going to love it. Read that. It's very um, sobering to realize what we are actually up against when we're fighting against the forces of darkness and when we are um, – when we're trying to pray through um, mm-hmm. Because it, 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 it makes a humongous difference in um, the progress that we make in our walk and the effect that we have on other people's lives through our prayers. It's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful because it's not a wish when we're praying. It's, you know, we're asking for that. And we've had several situations we've come across where God has just, we've prayed for things, not just us. I'm saying like a, every, you know, group of these people are praying for this particular situation and then what do you know it's a miracle the yeah like we we went we we attended another church because we went to quite a few churches and uh we attended this church and um right across the street from the church was a kid that went played ball with our son and he was diagnosed with this condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy which my best friend's husband also has this condition so i was familiar with it but it was sort of undiagnosed. His mother had died of it pretty early in his life. And, I mean, his family was just distraught about this. This kid was given, they were thinking, I mean, what, less than a year to live or so. Like, I mean, he was not going to make it. And um, so we go over to the church. Ironically enough, the pastors wouldn't come. But um, we went over, a, a group of us, and we all prayed on this kid and, um we were believing, like, this This kid's healed, you know? Yeah, Darren was, like, shaking during it. Like, I mean, I'm not, you know, like, he just, he'll leave certain situations and say he's healed or, like, this is this is good, you know? I feel like electricity channeled through me. Yeah. So we laughed, it's, and it was like. It's oh, called the power yeah. of the Godhead. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. So we leave, and it's like a couple months later, and this the it would be a stepmother, but the the mother who's raised him now, and um, she sends a message. Oh my gosh, you guys aren't going to believe this. You know, this kid's healed. Um, he was misdiagnosed, and we're like, what? He wasn't misdiagnosed. Like God answered our prayers, you know. And 
I don't know. It's just, you know, you just have to, people have to know, like, we're not wishing here. We're asking. And when it happens, we're going to give the glory to God because he does perform miracles. Uh, but it, it's frustrating when you see people just, oh, it was a misdiagnosis. I feel like we've had, like, four of these things happen like that real real lately. There's no sign of it. Now. Yeah, it's gone. There's no sign. It was total misdiagnosis. We're like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. That, that yeah, I praise God that um, you know, I was very fortunate to be raised in a uh demon chasing spiritual warfare. Uh, I've <laughs> oh man, since a kid. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I my first major encounter with that strangeness was this lady that was a part of our you know, she was very 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 close to our family her, her name is uh, uh um Darlene and uh, I was just a little kid maybe seven years old or whatnot and she's screaming bloody murder I mean it's like two o'clock in the morning and ah and um I'm you know I'm like oh my gosh what's going on and I get out of bed and I go walking into the kitchen area where she's screaming and anyway long story short it was that whole pots and pans flying around her house doors and cupboards slamming and all this and um yeah I, that you know I, that's that's how I was raised I mean then the next day you know uh, Pastor David Ebal my mom and a couple other people got together went over to her house and just cleaned all the demons out um now of course they fight back too so you got to watch yourself uh, one of the demons picked up a you know, that was back in the days when ironing boards, you know, you just kind of left them out and used them every day kind of thing. And one of the demons picked up an iron and whipped it across the room and hit uh, Diane. That was a daughter of the pastor, hit her on the hand and busted up her hand. I mean, it was broken. And uh, David, David, just right in the middle of the of the house cleaning, he just walks right over, puts his hands on top of Diane's hand. It says, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I command his hand to be healed. And bam, her hand was healed. I mean, but that's how I was raised. You know, I was raised in a world full of miracles, speaking in tongues, prophecies, things like that. But you know what's really sad is that that has diminished and dramatically. I mean, really, if you want to see a, a church that's full of the power of the Holy Spirit, full of continuous supernatural, divine, miraculous healings. And by the way, there are, you know, there's the Holy Spirit gift of healings and the Holy Spirit gift of miracles. So not all healings are miracles. So the problem is a lot of people won't pray and they're like, well, if the person doesn't just jump out of their chair and say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I'm healed of multiple sclerosis. They think the person's not going to be healed. But that is not true. You, when, you're, when we're commanded to lay hands on the sick and that they will recover, they will recover. It's just we're all looking mm-hmm. for a miracle at the time. They might recover a year later. They might recover six months later, three months later, whatever the case is. But you know what? To your point, you are always going to have somebody that's a naysayer, always. And the saddest part about that is the loudest, most obnoxious, they're at the church. The greatest naysayers in the world are in the church. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So it's like, praise God, what an amazing testimony. My gosh. I mean, please do not miss out on the Odin Hetrick testimony. And if you get a chance, read that um, How Satan Stops Our Prayers white paper that's out on the Internet because um, it's amazing. Yeah, we're into it, you know, looking up that kind of stuff. But we really thank you for having us on, too. Oh no, absolutely no! It's our blessing. It's it's. It, um, I'm thrilled. I'm as a matter of fact, Jane McWhorter. <laughs> She uh, she emailed uh, she emailed me while you guys were on and said, "All right, we need more of these uh, heaven testimonies, John. So get on it." 
she didn't say it exactly like that, but, uh, you know. But thank you so much for joining us tonight. What a powerful testimony. More people need to hear this. I'm thrilled that you're just so blessed, Aaron, with that word of knowledge. That comes in so – that is like one of the most amazing, awesome gifts for God to give somebody because nothing will blow somebody's mind more quickly than – you being given a word from the Lord that, you know, that no one in the whole world could have possibly known, okay? Yeah, so it had to have come from God, you know? That is awesome. Praise Jesus. Yeah, that's salvation's a belt for those. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's one of the most powerful um, tools for the Lord to witness to somebody who's an unbeliever because they know that they know that they know that there's no way that you could have known that. And then, and mm-hmm. then they're like, okay, they're like, our, their eyes are popping out. They're like, holy cow, <laughs> I want more yeah. of this, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. Praise God. Thank you both so much for joining us tonight, uh, Jen and Darren. It has been a mighty blessing, and I wish I could have, like, a blessing like this every single night. But, uh, hey, got to go to work tomorrow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? Yeah, but... <laughs> Me too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Oh, you're in Williamsport? I was born in uh, in Hummelstown, which is right outside of Hershey. Just yeah. a little bitty town outside of Hershey, yeah. So Williamsport, I love – the Williamsport is uh, right there by uh, – not too far down the road. It's about 30 minutes outside of a little town called Woolrich, and I um, – that's where the the very very expensive uh, parkas are made. Uh, and anyway, uh, I was a three mile island baby, so I go in the dark. And they uh, told me <laughs> I was part of the, like you know, hey, you gotta evacuate kind of thing. So when I evacuated, I went up to the Williams the Williamsport area to the the little town of Woolrich, which is just um, west, uh, and. I met up with my uh, friend Stephen and his dad, who was a Methodist pastor, and we decided we were going to go to the the movies, just you know, blow some time away. This is all while all hubbub about you know Three Mile Island's melting down, and it's just, nothing else is on the news, you know. So we go to the movies, and we're like, uh, I don't know, what are we going to see? What are we going to? Oh, okay, let's go see this one. This is popular. And we, so we ended up in the theater watching the movie, The China Syndrome. And in the movie, The China Syndrome, there's a scene. And one of the people in the control room of the nuclear reactor says, what would happen if this melted down? And the scientist says, it would wipe out an area the size of the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and the whole theater goes, wow! You could like literally see people flailing out of their seats. <laughs> and this is happening while <laughs> my island is in progress. I'm like, wow. oh boy. I know. I know. Um, you know, when you, once, once your eyes open up to the, you know, Einstein said, uh, uh, a coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. And you know what? I think he's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. But thank you so much yeah, for joining us fantastic. tonight. God bless both of you. I, I, I yeah, cannot you, tell John. you. I'm thrilled. <laughs> oh, thank you. 
All right. Anyway, so um, and I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up the show at this point. It's 9.38 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. It is Sunday, March the 27th. And the next program, Lord willing, will be at 7 p.m. this Wednesday night. And I have no idea who's going to be the guest. All right. So anyway, God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. And thank you again, Jen and Darren. Powerful message. I praise God for that testimony. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you. All right. Good night. Good night. See you all Wednesday. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you, we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice. As we lift your name on high. Renew our mind. Renew our soul. Remove the scars from our past. And be most righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five white virgins we will be. Your bride awaits thee. Patiently. Longing for that blessed sound that will rise. The churches gather. We're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. 
When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride And set it free I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. <laughs> 